Christmas to what will hopefully be the highlight of your day, although if you're watching this when it's when you're just finished watching I'm a Celebrity, that's highly unlikely. Now, is, is I'm a Celebrity really going to be a highlight? Like, Well, it is to most people in Britain these days. That's, that says is. a lot about where we are. <laughs> it really does. Don't forget, we are in Surrey. Don't come and find us. But, no, so this we, is... We a, are Surrey's finest. We are, we are Surrey's finest, indeed. Now, this will be our Christmas special, despite the fact we've only got one episode up, but oh well, it's where the chips have fallen. <laughs> so, on today's podcast, due to the festive season rapidly approaching us, we will be talking about our favourite Christmas movies. <laughs> we will also be talking about Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> an anime film that creeped the fuck out of me called Perfect Blue. <laughs> as well as what we've been watching this week, or two weeks. Um, and also, we'll be introducing Mr. Logan Bailey to the fold. And, and two of us will be talking about the Sarser Artist, because Liam hasn't seen it. I might be seeing it tonight, though. Oh. This is quite interesting. You will regret having me on. Yay! Yay! So, Logan, introduce yourself. What do you like? What do um, you do? I'm on. Logan Bailey, and all you need to know about me is I like Suicide Squad. That really is all people need to know about you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Can, we just, can you say that again? What is this? Some kind of apocalypse now? <laughs> What is this? Something that makes me want to kill myself? <laughs> now, and just to let everyone know, but you may hear me and James eating occasionally because we are dealing with a hangover from last night's Christmas party. Collective hangovers. Yeah. I will not be eating because I have pussy mouth. And you can't take the spice. Anyway. <laughs> People from the University of Administration like, like spice, like if you go to China, like if you ask for spice... I'm a perfect stuff. person, Liam. I wouldn't know. Is spice a perfect name for a drug? Uh, is what I've heard, yeah. Okay. Well, like, I think like spice is like a term for ketamine. You're incriminating this podcast already. <laughs> spice is a name for ketamine, this is a general thing. I mean, anyway. I mean you say that like, we should apologise for having Santa's eating chicken on this podcast, but oh. there's audible sounds of me talking through pasta on the last one. Cute. <laughs> I know, but I just wanted to say, you know what, the thing is why I'm saying that is because I generally want people to know that they should be jealous of us, the fact that we're eating chicken, and yeah. they most likely are. Well, the ASMR people will love it, they'll be all over it, like, oh yes, yeah. chicken sounds. <sighs> <laughs> oh god, there's a chicken in the room! No, 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 no. <laughs> and for those of you who haven't seen the room, you won't get that joke. That but, we, but, we did, but we did see the room. Yes. All the disaster we did. A perfect world. These are for you. Thanks, honey, they're beautiful. A perfect life. I would do anything for my girl. I love you, Lisa. I love you, Johnny. Surprise! He provides for you. Darling, you can't support yourself. That was, um, you know, the the, you know there were certain films in life that make you go, my God, I could never be a filmmaker because I could never, I could never pull this off. You know, there are certain films that do that, that make you go, I don't know if I could ever do that. I don't know if I could ever helm that. There are certain films that are made that you're just like, well, if that guy can do it, then why not me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and that is the room in a nutshell. And Tommy Wiseau made the room for six million dollars, <laughs> estimated because everyone from signed like jeans. a fucking NDA on this, like from selling jeans. Like the documentary, a handful, a handful of spoons. Yeah, that one came out. Like he made his money selling jeans. 
He's Polish mm-hmm. and he's 60. And he was called the Birdman when he was in his 20s. Is that right? Yeah. I haven't actually seen I have a handful of spoons, whatever. Or a fistful of spoons. He tried to sue it. He tried to stop it from being released. Is that right? Yeah. Because he just, is he that, because, just that insecure? No, it's because his name is Tommy Rousseau and he's an American boy. What do you mean he's Polish? Yeah, he's from New Orleans, isn't he? Yeah, what do you mean he's Polish? Yeah, he, did, he did actually recently say on a Jimmy Kimmel interview like the first time Europe. he's ever said it. I'm on Europe. I'm from Europe. Wait, what? He, he, no, no, no. Tommy was up. He, 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 all American hero and vampire, maybe. As a vampire. Well, do you want to introduce yourself properly? Do you want to say anything? Um, I don't really know what to say about me. I like. I like good movies, but I also like bad movies. We all like bad movies, but you genuinely like some bad movies. Yeah, so there's that. Um, I like making movies. Can't tell you they're good. Um, (laughs) And I guess I'll be on here every two weeks, alternating with uh, Ewan from the last episode. Every four weeks, really, because we do the podcast every two weeks. That, that. I can't... Oh, and I also failed maths in school, so that. Why is that important? Because numbers. I can't do it, James. Are they tearing you apart? They're tearing me apart! (laughs) James Dean. But I love that in James Dean it's like, You're tearing me apart! And then in Tommy was always like, You're tearing me apart! It makes no sense. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so... Basically, can we go on to what we've been watching this week? Sure. Sure. Okay. I kind of wanted to do the room a bit for the hat. That was okay. why I brought it up. So um, yeah, yeah, segue, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. It's a good segue. It's Thank good segue. you. Yeah. Very nice. I can't it. I apologise. It's fine. You've got to leave us all there. You've got to leave us all there. Yeah, and not... I, I plan on it. Um, <laughs> it's a better segue than the one that um, you can see people riding down the street oh, yes. on. Uh, so, oh, but like... Yeah, that's a, that's a segue to a segue. But the, the, really thing, the thing with the hey, room, hey, yeah, thing with don't the you just feel like there's so many relatable characters, like Denny and his drug problem? But he just and Denny and and just never brought up again. But yeah. it's Denny and trying to get in watching Tommy Wiseau have sex. I mean, no, the thing is, his drug problem it, it doesn't come up again, but it, it's a twist. <laughs> he wants to be left alone with Johnny's corpse, and it's implied that he's mentally disabled. And the actor who played Denny was twenty-seven. And and he's a, he's That's a fair. and he's a vampire maybe, possibly. All vampires maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what if Lisa's the only one that's not a vampire? It's like reverse Twilight. What? Oh. What? My mind. I've got you, away. Tommy. I, I can read it into your work. <laughs> I still think, even though scientifically, yes, it makes zero sense. I still think that Mark was one hundred percent arrested at the end of that movie. <laughs> what? Because they think that he killed. He slept with Lisa. And he called well, Tommy out of jealousy. Like, they wouldn't, like, you know, like, like, uh, what's the word? Um, with, like, you know, um, uh, analysing the crime scene and shit. Like, they would, like, figure out, like, okay, that, bu- that bullet wound is, like, self-inflicted. Because mm-hmm. of how, like, I mean, and actually, true. where he shoots him, where he shoots himself, it wouldn't even, like, yeah. kill himself. Because he shoots, he's, <laughs> like, he's, like, he puts it, like, 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 a, not a 180-degree angle. There's no angle to it, so it wouldn't actually go through his brain. Wait, this, yeah. means, through his skull. this means he could have rolled around with the dress, and it would have been fine. Afterwards. Oh, God, you're right. But <laughs> we're, we, let's not get too far into spoilers for The Disaster Artist. That's a spoiler for The Room. Uh, yeah, but there's a scene in The Disaster Artist where um, Tommy shoots it. himself and then rides around with the dress and Seth Rogen is like, Tommy, no, stop. This is great. This is real acting. Why you cut it? <laughs> it's in the trailer, though, so I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But no, this film, this film The Room is magical. I haven't gone to one of the actual cinema screenings, but what I wouldn't give to be in that atmosphere. You wanted to go see, like, Best of Friends, didn't you? Best Friends, didn't you? Best Friends is going to be the best movie of 2018. I'm calling it right now. (laughs) 
It, I heard someone say that these screenings range from um, mean-spiritedness to hilarity to camaraderie to rampant sexism and misogyny. Well, the thing with Best, best Friends, I am being very unironic right now, uh, Greg Sestero wrote the book The Disaster Artist. The book The Disaster Artist is really acclaimed for being fantastically, literally, written. Yes. And Greg Sestero wrote Best Friends. So, sure, he might have had bad directing, bad cinematography, and very bad acting, but that's a competent writer writing that script. I'm just saying. Maybe when Tony was like, I'm gonna write a movie, Greg should have been like, no. Maybe I should write the movie. Maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Was that ever mentioned in the Disaster Artist at all? Um, it's like five minutes. Yeah, like they show Greg like reading montage. the script. Yeah, it's like a montage in writing. And you hear like the, the, the clips from the room as he reads them, as said by Tommy. And it cuts to Tommy like asleep. And <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you're, getting, you're getting like ahead of yourself. Like, the thing in the room. Do you think that would have the same impact had it come out today, not ten years ago? Why would it matter though? Do you think it would just get lost? Because the, the internet was still like internet culture wasn't super prevalent back then. Like, sure. Do you think it would just become a meme quick and then just get become irrelevant? Like, I think the fact it's from ten years ago means it's it's kind of had a bit of longevity before the yeah. internet. Yeah, like when the, the when the Boss Baby came out, that was a meme for a month. Like a month, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't mind that movie. Very memeable. Yeah. So the last thing now that. The room isn't like memes, you know. There's multiple memes about it. You know, it's something mm-hmm. that is. That is so, a meme. Yeah, I mean, like we had a meme night at the university, and you know, Tommy came dressed as Tommy. Uh, Tommy. Tommy, yeah. Uh, Tommy came dressed as Tommy. Tommy was yeah. slow, doesn't go to our university. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but literally, and to be fair, like it's something that like everyone saw that, and, and, I, and I tried on the wig. You know, and everyone got it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I twisted my ankle carrying yeah. a drunk Logan downstairs. Yeah. Off that topic, I'm not. Sure. <laughs> okay. When you put the wig on, did you just feel the? I walked out the, the so I tried it out on the, I was I was in the bathroom with Tommy and I was like, dude, uh, can I try on the wig? <laughs> and he was like, sure, sure, you know, try yeah. on the wig. He said, sure, sure. Yeah, try so on I, the tried, wig. I tried on the wig, you know, and I put it on and then I took a photo of myself and sent it to my friend and was like, what do you, and I was like, I did, and then with the tagline, I did not hear her. <laughs> and, and, then my, and then my friend said, well, was it bullshit? Um, <laughs> And then I then walk out of the bathroom, or the, this, you know, walking to like my friends at the midnight, and I think it was such that you two, well, it was you, James, actually. Yeah, well, I wasn't. I didn't see it. And then I literally just walk out, just going like, I did not hear her. It's, it's not, not true. true. It's, it's bullshit. bullshit. I did not hear her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm not like a good actor. But did that feel perfect? It felt great. It felt <laughs> to be fair, neither was Tommy was holding him. <laughs> yeah, but like, there's the thing is like, you know, I can't do an impression of like. Bad yeah. acting, if that makes like, sense. That's what I was saying about the disaster artist, though. Tommy Wiseau is a bad actor, but James Franco having to act a bad actor. Mm. It's actually... We are, really we're getting, we are getting ahead of ourselves. It's really hard. Bit, but, yeah. So it's like, it's not hard bad acting. Um... Shit, what have I seen this week? I've seen Daddy's Home 2. Okay, how's Daddy's Home 2? Christmas. And they both made me want to shoot myself. Oh, that I... is home too, especially. That film has nothing to it. John Cena's in it, though. Yeah. That, okay, that's one thing. John Cena, he has screen presence. If he really, really fucking tried, he has the potential to be like a Dave Bautista. Like, have, like, have, have a film. Dave Bautista can Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He has a potential. Yeah, like, John um... Cena has the potential to have a film career if he tried. Because he, 
he does have a presence on screen. Right. Yeah, David Teaser has been in um, three movies this yeah. year. He was in Bushwick and Blade Runner 2049. He's in that movie with Nicolas Cage. Guardians well, 2. Oh, um, yeah, but like, he's great in all of those movies. That's the thing, though, is like, um, one of the problems that a lot of people have with uh, like an actor called Donnie Yen, who is a Chinese actor, yeah. um, who's obviously most famous for playing uh, Chewett in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is a very, very, very skilled martial artist. You just he need is, to watch yeah. one or two of his films to understand that he's incredibly skilled. And But his acting is by far not that great. It's his line delivery. Um, his line delivery is very wooden. Yeah, but that's because it's like translating. It's yeah. a different culture, a different language. But the thing is, that even it's his body posture as well. That's, he's, either, he's either upright fully or he's close. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and the thing is, though, is the fact that I don't ever really see him like trying... Like he's very much like I. I am this type of performer. Yeah. I'm this type of actor. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. need to do anything else. Whereas I watched. I. I. One of my biggest problems with Spectre, by which there were many. Um, David Chase is great in that though. No, he's not. He's really <laughs> not. And I really hated him. I hated this character. I hated this performance. And I didn't like him in. I. I really despised him in Guardians of the Galaxy One. I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Two yet. But when I watched him in Blade Runner. I was. I remember sitting back. So obviously, it's the opening scene where you see him. Yeah. And I remember just sitting back, just going, "Dave, <laughs> is that you?" He's, you know, it's that sort of thing. And I was just like, "Is this the same Dave Batista?" And like, he, I don't know if he's gone to acting classes. I think he has. Or if he's like suddenly it's just sort of like clicked or something. Well, so there's a gravitas to his performance. It could have been a Villeneuve. Maybe. Is it Villeneuve? Film I, I don't, don't know. know. I, 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 I took Denis a, Villeneuve. I, I took a leap. Yeah. Yeah. I took a leap. Yeah. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis. Is there a Canadian comic in the Beano called Denis the Mini? Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, yeah, that's why I quite. I, I, I'm warning to Dave Batista. I'm yeah. really quite warning. I'm, I want to see what he does next because. Yeah, you, you, you should, thought something. You, you should buy my copy of Bushwicks. It's really good. Mm, I, I've seen. I've seen the drawing. It looks really like it has like, technical failings just oh, because well, of budget. budget. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's pretty ironic that in like the past twenty years, the way to become an actor was to be a model first. Apparently nowadays, it's just got to be a wrestler. So like whatever. Yeah, but that's drawing the Johnson Johnson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, even then, if you watch the Scorpion King, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, but now he can act. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He he he's learned. Right? Yeah, that's because he's I mean, charismatic. What can he say life. except "You're welcome"? No. <laughs> I have bring that shit on this podcast. <laughs> I still haven't seen more. I I've seen the first that. 30 minutes and I, it wasn't for me. It was just sure. wasn't for me. I mean, I, the trailer of Daddy's Home 2 gave me cancer. Yes. But um, it's got it's got John Lithgow in it. And he looks like he's just having a good time. Yeah, I don't and know. And Mel Gibson. That's the thing. Mel Gibson, yeah. Mel Gibson provided me with two, two pity chuckles. Whoa! Oh my God, pity chuckles. Pity chuckles. Nothing else. Um, no. Because... You can tell that nobody, nobody in the cast gives a shit. Like, right. That it's rushed. Not even John Lithgow? Nobody gives a shit. Oh my god. Third Rock from the Sun Man? Will Ferrell doesn't give a shit. And it's just... Busy ever. What about Mark Wahlberg? Nope. It's just so rushed. Like, I get the feeling... When I was watching it, I was like, oh, this movie clearly had no script. They were just like, oh, we have a funny cast here. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly... Uh, that's according all to John Lithgow, that's exactly what happened. That's all doing improv. But it's half-assed improv. Now, improv itself is hard to do, but if you half-ass improv, you have what's called nothing. Yeah, and yeah. And it's two hours of just nothing, and it's, I was just like, why am I... Okay, because I hear that there is a very particular scene with a gun. 
in Daddy's Home 2 that's quite controversial. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it shows a six-year-old girl kill two turkeys. Oh. Yeah, they're not pardoned by Donald Trump, are they? No, 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 no. But it's just like... I don't know. It's the kind of film you watch, and it's probably even a little sexist. Like I couldn't tell you why, but I was just watching it. Like I'm feeling comfortable. Yeah, like I hear that one of the big climactic jokes of the movie is this kid goes and smacks a girl on an ass. Like yeah, she's his possession. And then a bunch of girls line up to kiss him, and out of the line comes out a guy, and that's supposed to be funny in 2017. (laughs) Gay panic. Yeah. Gay panic. By this point, I was just like, this movie cannot end. Soon enough. Oh my mm-hmm. god. But I was, I was in the cinema, it was me and there was this four other girls. Shit you not, these girls were taking selfies and going on Facebook at this time. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to be angry at them because I'm trying to watch this shit movie, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, I can't believe them. That, that really says something about how bad a movie actually is when someone is like breaking the code of conduct and you just don't care. Yeah. They're taking selfies of me in the background just like this. Like, I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane in the cinema. Okay. And people in that cinema doing the exact same thing, like, right behind us. Not on the internet. Taking yeah. Pictures, it's making me so angry. Mm. I don't think I'd give a shit with them. So the weirdest experience I've ever had was actually in the cinema for Spectre. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there. It was quite a big crowd because obviously, you know, British, a film that is very much about Britain and, you know, you, you know, it's part of the British culture now. And so, you know, it's an event. A James Bond film in Britain is an event. Yeah, and, like, everyone goes to see James Bond in the cinema. Exactly. It doesn't matter your race, your creed, your religion. If you're, you know, if you would identify yourself as even the tiniest bit British, you will most likely go to see that film. Yes. You know, it's, it's one of those films. And I was sitting there, I was by myself, and this young girl of about 14, 15 mm-hmm. was sitting there, sitting next to me. And with who can only have been her relatively new stepfather. Right. Yeah. And, I think and you told me the story. Yeah, yeah, no. So I'm just sitting there. Obviously, I've got no one to talk to. So I'm not <laughs> eavesdropping, but I'm just kind of like, I want to see how badly this goes for you, mate. Oh, my God. Okay. And, and, and like, I, I mean, I feel sorry for him. But, like, he was, he was like trying to talk to this, you know, the girl who's obviously, like, his stepdaughter was, like, his niece or something. Someone new. Yeah, and you're just like... Okay, so come on, mate. You gotta say something. And he's like, "So yeah, um, maybe you know, it's such a pity that your that your mum couldn't have joined us, you know." And and it's just like, yeah, and just is on it, her phone. Is it a pity, Spectre? And, and, and I was just like, and it's, and there was stuff like, um, you know, like yeah, like I'm so, I'm so glad we could like finally spend some time together, really get. And she's just on her phone the whole oh, time, and I'm just sitting there going, "Mate, you're, no, like, oh, I'm trying. You're trying, mate." But there's no I remember way. being fourteen. I was the same. Yeah, I think we all were. I don't know about you, Liam, but I, I know I was. Never, like, I never went to the cinema with my family. <laughs> so, like, I, I did. Uh, for James Bond. So really? Uh, not for Spectre, yeah, yeah, but no, for Skyfall and Quantum of yeah, Solace and Casino I, Royale. I think it was Skyfall. No, I didn't go with my name for Skyfall. My dad took me to see Spectre, and he's uh, he's a big, big James Bond fan. He's seen like most of them like since like the early 80s in the cinemas. Mm-hmm. And he came out of Spectre and was like... He was like dead silent for like 10 minutes, and then he just turned to me and was like... Yeah, I don't think I like that one. <laughs> I was just like, okay. Oh, I think me and your dad could have a great conversation about that. Yeah. Well, there are things I enjoy about Spectre, but my God, it has many. Can you actually tell me? I've seen it like two or three times. Well, I, t- I do I, like the cinematography in the opening scene. Uh, yeah, the like the opening scene sort of told me exactly what the movie was going to be, mm-hmm. and I I was exactly right. Like a sixties James Bond film. No, in the, the, the movie is like we're going to try to make you have lots of fun. And we're not going to care if it makes sense or is appropriate. We're just going to try to throw fun at you. 
Yeah. And that and I was like, I, I can live with that. So I wanted that. more, but I can live with that. I get that. That's the tone of the film. The film as a whole is being directed to be. Yeah. But when your actor doesn't give a shit. And when, when the film's established prior with in the, the series, which is especially what is perceived to be one of the best James Bond films, if not the best James Bond film, is Casino Royale. And when that is a dark, gritty reimagining of when Bond... I'm actually... I'm obviously, in uni at the moment, we're doing stuff on screenwriting. Yeah. And uh, the next bit that I have to do is I have to choose a character and then choose a scene and talk about how that defines his character. Okay. And I'm doing uh, James Bond in Casino Royale where he's being tortured. Okay. By the chief. And because that's... Obviously, James Bond is very much the epitome of uh, masculinity, whether or, not, whether or not you agree or disagree with that mm-hmm. representation of masculinity in the 21st century. And in that scene, you see him... That is the genesis of Bond in a lot of ways because he goes from being the smart-ass, wise-cracking person he's been through most of the film to then going through this ordeal and then being broken. Mm -hmm. And it's very much... And that's where you see Bond come Mm -hmm. out is because that's when he's still cracking jokes, but it is in a way in which he's defensive rather than offensive. Yeah, it's the same way he's asking to be hitting the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's it's incredible and uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's, it, it's anyone with testicles will have a hard time. Like anyone with genitals will have a hard time. Which I'm not saying. But I I don't think like. I know. If I you don't you... have a penis, it'll be quite hard to imagine quite what it's like to get hit in the dick. Uh, no, much conversation for another time. Yeah, but, okay. yeah. But no, and there's other things in like that going from that to then watching Spectre. You just can't, yeah. this doesn't make sense. But where James Bond falls off a building and lands on a sofa. I hate like, that I mean, <laughs> that <laughs> No, but that, that, that was the moment that I knew what the film would be. And I was like, you know, I'm okay with this. I really, well, I wasn't. I, I wanted to get up I and think. that was stupid. I mean, I remember Spectre more than Quantum of Solace. I prefer Quantum of Solace. Now. I couldn't tell you a thing that happens in Quantum of Solace. Neither could I. I remember the race at the beginning, but remember, that was it. I remember, I remember most of Quantum of Solace. Actually, no, I remember, because... At the end, he gives him oil to drink. And I remember that because I was like, oh. I just remember this really poorly edited scene where he's on a rope, and I remember a scene with a, like a car chase. And I don't. Like, I don't. Yeah, there's a, yeah like the, the action is filmed really badly enough. Or it's edited it's, really poorly. It's edited horribly. I don't know what's going on. I mean, there are some bits that are pretty okay-ish, but it's still not good. So. Sure. Also, that's, yeah. that's the thing about Spectre, though. Spectre ties this whole franchise together, because they usually they were quite loose sequels up until yeah. that point. And then Inspector. But well, that's the thing. Quantum of Solace wasn't. Quantum of Solace was a direct sequel. Like Inspector, yeah. they have to do like everything is connected. And that ruins it a time. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It makes the chief seem like. Yeah, it's, yeah. It makes the chief. Yeah, someone's in, is a bitch. Yeah. He's Christopher Waltz's bitch. Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. you're meant to be this big bad guy. Same thing with Mr. White. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you're just this other, you're just these people's bitch. You're so lucky. Mean. That's the one thing that did annoy me about Spectre, though. I was like, I 100%. Like you're gonna try and play this as a twist, but I think every single person in the audience knows this person's Blofeld yeah. from his first scene. So I'm like, when you reveal it, like, kind of into darkness, I'm like, okay. I was really confused like all of that. That was, I, I actually really didn't like the way they handled all of that. And I like well, Spectre more than you too. This is yeah. brother and all that. Like, oh, he, that was awful. Like, when they Daddy got... Daddy issues is what that amounted mm. to. Daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, when the when he got to the base and Christopher Waltz, like, knew who he was and was, like, showing him around and they were having these passive-aggressive conversations, I was like... Why? What, what's the fucking point? I don't get this. You know what? You know what? Actually, one thing that we need. I from day one, I was very much like Spectre is awful. It is mm-hmm. awful. And then I remember going into college the day after I saw it. I was like, 
It is actually awful. It's it's abs- and everyone was expecting me to say like, oh, it's great. I think I remember this. And then and everyone because they know because I'm really depressed. It was yeah, and I was just like, no, it's really bad. And everyone was expecting me to come come in and say like, oh no, it's amazing because it's Liam and he loves James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yes, but then. You had, people, you had people giving you the devil's advocate going, it was alright, and you were like, shut up! Yeah, and it's and like, but, then, but then you know what happened? About two to three months after, after people had rewatched it, they're like, no, Liam, you were right, you were right, you were right, you were absolutely mm-hmm. right. Like, and this were people at first who were like, it's not that bad. They watched it again and they're mm-hmm. like, oh. I mean, my consensus mm-hmm. on the very beginning was. That's probably what I would be like. My consensus on the very beginning was just, that's not good. It didn't offend me like it offended you, but I was just like, this isn't. It's not good. It's not and, bad. It's and not good. they commissioned Radiohead to do the theme song, and and I and that and, song. and they wrote it, and it was great. Yeah. And then they got rid of it mm. and got it's a and 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 got a pre-written Sam Smith song, and and like retrofitted it. Oh, is, is that, that what James happened? Is that what they did? It? Well, no. It's like they they, they he'd already written the song, right. and they were like, "Have you got anything?" And he was like, "I have this." And they were like, "What's the song released cool. already?" No. no, no, it's something he's working on. Oh, yeah, because really, like, I've heard the Radiohead song, and I again, you might remember this, because mm. like, I wrote, I heard it first in college, and I was like, I don't think I like that. But then for some reason, I had this weird yearning to hear it again. Okay. And then I heard it again. I was like, that's not too bad. And I heard it again, then a couple more times. It's like it's actually quite. Mm. It's like you know, I'm, I'm a really big Radiohead fan, mm. and that song. I was really disappointed that that wasn't on the album that came out after that. It wasn't on the they, they just no, 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 no. The Radiohead Spectre song. Oh, okay. They release an album pretty soon. They release a song in build up to an album right. that that song wasn't on, and that album had some of their best songs for a while, and that, that song would have fitted really well. Right. It used to be on YouTube, but now you can only get covers of it. It's on the Radiohead song is on uh, SoundCloud, I think, somewhere. That is it sense. on SoundCloud? Oh, okay. Sense. I need to get that. Okay. Yeah, that's where I heard it first. I don't know if it's still there. Oh, because okay. no, I loved it. I thought it because um, it's um, it's spectacular. I can't say. Yeah, it, yeah. It's beautiful. It's absolutely. It's yeah. haunting. It's haunting. It's mm. And that would have worked. It wouldn't have worked for Spectre the movie, but it would have worked for what the franchise was sure. doing before Spectre. For a Bond song. For for a, for a Daniel Craig era Bond song. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, and, now they're talking. I, I'm, they're now saying it, this. I mean, I mean, I know we're going to be doing news in a bit. But recently it's becoming out that Paloma Faith is kind of... Who I love. I love Paloma Faith. I think she's a fantastic singer. Mm. Um, she's kind of not levying, but it's kind of going, I would be up to doing mm. the next Bond really? song. Yeah. And, I'm, and I heard that and I'm like, you sing like Shirley Bassey. Yeah, that she's a lovely incredible. person as well. Oh, like, she is. She's, I, 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 I remember watching Never Mind the Buzzcocks a lot as a kid and she was on it a lot. Yeah. And uh, every time she was just like this... Mercurial, this mercurial, like quirky, not human, who is just such an entertaining beautiful. person to watch. Actually, and one, she's not conventionally beautiful in terms of how she dresses. Yeah, but she's gorgeous. Like I can't, yeah. she's intrinsic. I can't take mm-hmm. my eyes off her whenever I Majestic, see her. Yes, she's very slow, very much so. I, I honestly like. She's not someone I think about constantly. Right. But when I like see a news article about her, or I see that she's going to be on a talk show. I'll always read or watch it. Mm. It's 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 she's that sort of person. It's very much my opinion on someone like Jamie Foxx, who I don't think of constantly as an actor, but when I see him in a film, mm. I'm very much like, that's good. You were very and, good, and, he, and he's charming as well, a man. Well, that's the and, thing, though. Like, with, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say that, like, even in Baby Driver, he plays a arsehole. He, like, he's you such like a charismatic presence. Yeah. Mm. Well, the thing with Bond twenty five that that's scheduled for twenty nineteen release. Yes, so they've got to shoot that next year. 
Yeah, like early to mid next year. Yeah, yeah. so we should be getting like. Are they just going to call it Bond Twenty Five or something? No, no, no. Skyfall's called Bond Twenty Five. called Shatterhand at the moment. Oh yeah. Oh, but what a crap name! I think that's like it's worth entirely. Yeah, like Assassin's Creed, for example, was called um in. Time out of mind. Yeah. That's, that's not. Was, that's quite a good title, to be honest. No, but like, that was its um, title when it was being filmed. So that every. So it was like, um, if you ever got like, if there were ever photographs being taken, mm-hmm. then you would get that name instead of like what it was. No, but like called? they've announced it is Craig coming back. Yes. Have they got the studio? That's, the, yeah. yeah. So MGM is doing foreign distribution. No, it's doing. It's either internal or foreign. No, it's internal distribution okay. of the United States and Britain. Okay. They're they they're, they're handling distribution, and then there's still the. The fight is still yeah, on for sure, international. Because right. okay. um, Eon Pictures have owned the rights mm-hmm. to Bond for Let's decades and decades. That's what Eon was invented. Eon yeah. um, literally stands for the Bond motto, everything or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I read that and I was like, okay, I didn't even know that was a production yeah, that was, company because they do fuck all else. Yeah, that's all they do. That's, all, that's, their very, that's the very point it was mm. created. Oh, I see. And um, one thing that's really quite interesting about Bond 25 is now... There is rumours that obviously the hands on favourite for a long time was Nolan. Yeah, and then I Spotlight yesterday. then the spotlight kind of shifted to Bill Nerve, but mm. recently Bill Nerve said what is that he did say uh, he did say, um, yes, I did have talks, but I'm not doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um so, I think he's on his sci fi fantasy bench. Yeah, he's doing Star Wars and doing it all well, he's not doing Star Wars, he would he he, he would Star be up for it, but that's not going to happen. He's way too artsy for them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're getting Ron Howard to do their movies now. Mm. <laughs> then also we got... So like now the spotlight's kind of gone back to Nolan, who has apparently let slip yeah. that he's had talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had this in like, the past two days that were saying like the talks may be potentially happening. But the thing with Nolan is that whether or not that's the case, whether any deals have been made but not public, mm. the thing is Nolan has always said that he would have Tom Hardy as his bond. He said he also wants to... St- it's a bit egotistical. Nolan has literally said, I'm going to want the studio to need me. Yeah. Kind of like that. I'm fine with that. But it's like that kind of begins. Like, I'm going to wait till, I'm gonna wait till, till you spec to this up a few more times and then you want me to reinvigorate yeah. Because there, there's, there, were, there were some directors where you can sell it. There were multiple actors in the world where you can sell a movie on their name. Mm-hmm. There were, I'd say, about 20 directors I'd in say Western that, media. I, w- I would say that there's like a five directors whose names can sell a movie. You can make a movie. Like, get like, anything made. Yeah, I suppose to mainstream audiences, yes, five. Yeah, five yeah. I would say maybe Nolan. Now I'm not sure yet. Give it a bit more no, time. No, Nolan, you can. Nolan can. People no, see it now. And then it's like it's Steven Spielberg. It's George Lucas. So it's Scorsese. Yeah, it's Scorsese. Mm. And I don't think I know anyone else. Uh, Whitley. Yeah. Would could Ridley Scott sell a movie? Like but he did. He's very back and forth. It's like Ridley Scott did Exorcist of Scotland Kings, and that fucking bombed. I loved Exorcist. Covenant. People hated. Yeah, I, I like Covenant. But people liked The Martian, so like he's back and forth. The thing is, like I, I, I don't know if I want Nolan to do it yet. Like I would much rather they wait for the new Bond and yeah, they say, exactly. Nolan, you have, if you sign this contract now, you have three films. Make it Nolan's Bond. Yeah, not just I, I know, like obviously, I'm writing my own Bond spec script. Uh, just out of sure. passion, hope that one day I would get the chance. It's like there is a Bond story that I want to tell. Yeah, I think, every, I, I think, think everyone's. I think every British screenwriter has one yeah. in their heads where they're like, "That's what I'd do." But I don't know. Like, I don't know if Nolan's ideas would fit what they're doing currently. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, so, same as Nolan. Was like he was what he was brought up in like what the late the sixties, late early seventies. So like, he's older than he looks. I think. Yeah, well, it's like Inception is kind of like his bid for Bond. That's what but, I'm saying though. Like I'm saying, it'll have to be not necessarily a callback, but it'll be in some kind of respectful way to the Bond films that he grew up with in terms of tone, but with his style to a modern audience. Yeah. But how do you feel about like Tom Hardy as Bond? Too old. I, I really feel Bond. Whenever you bring a new Bond in, he has to be an unknown. How do you feel about? He's not an unknown, but I think Idris Elba will be a fantastic. No, I'd say he's no, too old. No, um, I I've had I had this conversation too many times mm-hmm. in college, um, and I've and they got to the point actually when I was walking my dog one point, and I was just thinking about James Bond as a property yeah. and what like I'd do, and I was saying no, Idris Elba is not Bond. He's not Bond, uh, but I but then for some reason it hit me, make him M. That mm. I really like. I got chills. That I like. That, I like make, that him, make him a version of M that was recent. Cool version. That was a field officer I really that, like that then got injured mm-hmm. and had to take the desk job. That being said, I do really, sure. I do really the, like Ralph Fiennes as M, but that I like a lot. But he likes, he likes to be called Rafe. I don't know. Rafe Fiennes. I'm not good at names. Well, the thing, because for me personally, with Idris Alba being M, is the fact that he brings a real natural intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intelligent. But yeah, he's intelligent, and yeah. and also just the fact is that cool. he's cool. You could like him, and also um, it could, if you look at the real head of MI six in real life, mm-hmm. he's like he's in his mid fifties, so he's sure. not like this Judy Dench. I love her, yeah, but she's a bit old. Um, you know, Ralph Fiennes is not old, but. Not you know, young. yeah, I. You know, he's in that grey area. Yeah, so I, I mean, um, I think he'd be Idris Elba would be perfect yeah. for something. It's like, why couldn't you tell the story of like a Bond who's like had his day in the sun and is kind of like old and they failing? They did. It's called Skyfall. Well, no, no, that is like a a cop out version of that. They did in my that. Didn't they did that really shitty short film as well, like the uh, Power slash Rangers guy. The Bond oh guy yeah, 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 and in a way, that's kind of the reason. That was one of the problems I guess I had with Skyfall. Is that oh it's Bond and he's old and gritty and, but he's still Daniel Craig I liked Skyfall but it just reaped too much of the Dark Knight made money to me yeah, yeah no, no, that's Spectre that. that's Spectre no no because Spectre is going to be real fun but Skyfall, Skyfall is, is going for the same tone. time same tone as the Dark Knight definitely mm-hmm. it's pacing and it's Ed Villain and also we just there's so much about those films there's, you know there's too I have too many problems with those films that like even have a podcast it would have to be a series mm-hmm. Liam's problems with it's like <laughs> Sam, Sam Mendes is the guy who made American Beauty and it was f- beautiful mm-hmm. and he just have you seen Jarhead I haven't but I quite like Jarhead I've seen I've seen the like the, the full metal jacket we like full metal jacket scene from yeah. Jarhead mm-hmm. and I was like oh you clearly like full metal jacket that's cute I've got Jarhead I want to see it do you want to hear what I've been watching this week do tell yeah I because the because the trailer recently came out and that's your second trailer just came out yesterday for it and I and I'm gonna like pull my hands up here it's like one of those film series that I, I shouldn't like as much as I do I really I rewatched both of the Maze Runner films oh Ooh. sure I, my, my one of those is uh, the Underworld films really yeah. what oh yeah with Kate, Kate Beckinsale yeah oh, I love that woman Oh god, she's like forty something, but she looks like she's like in her early. Yeah, days. it's like the, the films are like. I'm still in shock. Give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. why would you want like vampires kicking werewolves in the face? Like, yeah, why wouldn't you want that? I want that. I want that every day. It's like leather. 
Yeah, and they're, they're no Resident they're Evils, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The thing is, they know what they are. That's yeah. True. That's, that's their appealing factor. Resi- Re- Resident Evil thinks it's Underworld, but it's Resident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> yeah. Does so, the third, doesn't the third one, like, not have her in it? Uh, yeah, they did like I haven't seen any of them it's for like, a long it's time. It's like a weird prequel thing. It's, they do. They did a couple of prequels. Yeah. No, anyway, you talk about Maze Runner. I'm really yes. sorry. No, it's quite right. Well, basically, I someone who I've been a massive advocate for for quite some time now is Dylan O'Brien mm. because mm. actually I there are some actors that have an incredible amount of talent as actors. They are people like Daniel Day Lewis. Yes. And I love Daniel Day-Lewis. He is what it means to be an actor, yeah. in my opinion, mm. as an actor, as, as, as a thespian. Uh, but then you get some actors that are just bloody brilliant, mm-hmm. and yes. you just want to watch them. They are performers. Yes. Dylan O'Brien, I believe, is, in, is closer to that second one, but has the equal potential of being that first one to a slightly lesser sure, degree. Sure, Because... I was what when I was watching, I watched Maze Runner, the first Maze Runner, and there is certain scenes in that the scene when he it's actually the opening scene when he's being brought up to the maze, and you know he's in this claustrophobic kind of lift, and you see the panic and the fear, and the confusion in his face. Yeah, and you're like, in in any other teenage well he wasn't a teenager but in any other young actor's hands mm-hmm. that could have come across terribly, but you have talent. And another thing we didn't know, Brian, that I love is the fact that he just goes, I'll do it. Yeah. The man Dude's nearly committed. died. Dude is committed. Sorry. It's in the trailer. The, the stunt that he nearly died doing is in the trailer. Sure. And it's kind of like one of those Tom Cruise moments when you see him being on the side of a plane. And you're seeing it and you're like, dude, you nearly died doing that. Yeah. Like, he got one over. There's, you know, like, and actually his, um, when he, obviously when he was heaving, like, actually back home, like, mentally and physically trying to heal himself, he grew a beard, and that beard is in American Assassin. And it's <laughs> absolutely, in, it's one of those sorts of things where you're watching, you're like, wow. You know, the, and the thing is, he's just so fucking likeable. Yeah. He's, he, he's really got a talent, and I, I really just love him. I think sure. he's fantastic. I, I was going to say that really reminds me of like a young Tom Cruise. Because he does. I, with these big action stars who just do action films, they have to have started giving actual acting performances somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't... Tom Cruise did Magnolia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if, 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 if you don't do that, if to get to the, oh, I'm just going to do the action roles yeah. level, you become a Steven Seagal. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing, is the fact that I honestly think that I, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen scenes of it. Right. Which is Deepwater Horizon. Right. And I was watching a few scenes of that, and he's got it. Mm-hmm. He sure. really... I mean, yeah, it's, it is a movie that has action in it. Mm-hmm. But it, movie, it, it is. It yeah. is. And it's... Yeah. And it's he, can, he can do it. I want to see him do a drama. I could see him playing... Like, doing something in a war movie, mm-hmm. which is very much about the characters. It is much more in line with something like Jarhead. Sure, I could see him doing that and doing it well because at the end of the day, he's what he's got that not not all actors have the luck of getting is he's got a good sort of build. You know, he's quite tall, but he's not too tall. He's good looking. Yes, and he's got the talent. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's got all three key yeah. things. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It. Like you had Jennifer Lawrence who mm-hmm. did the YA franchise, and that made her a star. Yeah, just Maze Runner hasn't made the bucks yet. You know, yeah. well, that's the thing is I. I really am very like I like Maze Runner. I mm-hmm. think it's it's 
it's perfectly adequate. You know, they're good films. You can go and see them and turn your brain off for a couple of hours. Yeah. But in a good way, it's not like Transformers. Sure. But the thing is, with Dino Fine, Fine, I'm happy the fact that they're only doing the three books and they're doing three films. They're not splitting the last one into two. They're just going to do it. They're going to end it. And then I want to know what he's going to do next. The sure. man nearly was Spider-Man. That's true. That would have been good, that is actually, true. yeah. And, you know, like, that says... I mean, I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen him. I would have loved to have seen Dylan O'Brien as Spider-Man just to know what that would have been like. But at the same point, I'm, I want to know, like, okay, what's your next step? You know, mm. you've, you've got your fan base. You know, I, I would count myself among those fan bases. I think most of the fan base is, like, teenage girls, but oh well. You know, I... I really want to know what he's going to do next. I think he could potentially be something quite amazing. I would, if, I, if I was his agent, I would, I would try and say, like, okay, finish this, get your contract finished with this, yeah. and then do one, not much, but, like, one really, really, and there's not many of them out there, one really smart comedy, you know, because mm. then people will see that, you know, yeah. and they'll see it outside of, like, a YA franchise. Mm. And then with that, you can springboard off into yeah. like dramas and action and other well, stuff. Like you're someone like Robert Pattinson, who was in one Harry Potter film and then the Twilight movies. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, he became the Sarter House darling. Mm-hmm. Like he he's done a few films with David Cronenberg. Like Remember Me and stuff. And, like that. I wouldn't really talk about Remember Me. <laughs> but yeah, he did a few films with David Cronenberg. He did The Rover. With... Oh, I love the guy Piers. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've been told it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the most beautifully directed films I've seen. Well, it's like I had a spot of watching lots of like kind of mainstream, but also kind of artsy DVDs I owned, okay. and a lot of them were produced by Entertainment One. Yes. Yeah, E1. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they played a lot of their trailers at the beginning, and mm-hmm. every single time I got a trailer for the Rover. Yeah. So like, this is on my DVD of Captain Fantastic and of mm-hmm. Cavalry and. You know, that little fact about that film is it's actually, it's how I found one of my favourite songs. Oh, right. In the trailer, it's a song called Enter One, and it's absolutely fantastic, and that's in the trailer for The Rover. Sure. And the film itself, it's, Guy Pearce is an incredible actor. He's, um, I would honestly say he's he's up there with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. He's, he's got, he's famous. Yeah. And I think that's actually his choice, mm. to a degree. Like he, humble. yeah, he's. I don't think he ever like. Obviously, Daniel Day Lewis is notorious for not doing like many lead roles because he's like three or four technically. Yeah. When he's not been supporting. Yeah. And I think to a degree, like Guy Guy Pierce has he only does big roles when they're independent films. Yeah. 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 yeah like yeah. he was a villain in Iron Man Three. Iron Man but, Three and yeah. his Prometheus and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, but like. <sighs> I, I saw him in LA, LA Confidential recently. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. which, blimey, that's such a good movie. Mm. Like, um, it's written by the guy who wrote Legend. Yeah. And who directed Legend. Who directed and wrote Legend. Oh, but, yeah. like, and uh, watching LA Confidential, you're like, why is the screenplay of Legend so loose when this screenplay is so tight and it mm. just goes? I feel like that works for Legend myself, though. See, I don't. I feel like the film needed way more focus. Legend for me is a kind of film that I can put on and I can just feel like I'm in 60s London. Sure, but even like some, something like Goodfellas, which has that similar sense of sporadicness, <laughs> has a focus on character and character development and event and storytelling. I guess. Uh, and, and a pacing I guess. that Legend, Legend doesn't. Legend just feels kind of stylized in its looseness for me personally. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, again, Tom Hardy's performance in Legend is just extraordinary. Oh, I watch Legend yeah. Another film I did yeah. actually finally sit down to watch for after three to four years I've been watching it since is The Dark Knight. Ooh. Um, well, you did say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you said you were going to watch a Batman movie every, yeah, yeah. every two weeks to like get for this. And, God, it's 
Words can't describe how brilliant that film is. It's pacing, it's writing. I, 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 I remember it being slower paced mm-hmm. than when I watched it again. I was like, actually, this is quite fast paced. Well, do you think that might be their attention span? I mean, get got older. Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe it's now it's the fact that I've yeah. been well versed in magic. Yeah, now, now yeah. you know yeah. more about film. Because yeah. when you were younger, I mean, when it first came yeah, out, yeah. did you not find the Harvey Dent stuff really dull? When, you, um, when it well, first came I, out? I saw it. Um, I, <laughs> this is, this is going to show how British I am. Um, I was in Butlins. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you see, yeah. I was in Butlins with my father, and they had like a cinema. It was actually quite a big cinema, actually. Yeah. And it was Dark Knight, and we went to go see the Dark Knight. And because my father, he was not like a massive fan of film, but he was kind of he enjoyed the experience. Sure. Yeah, the Dark Knight was like huge. Yeah, yeah, and I was, and I would have been. This is before secondary school, so I would have been like eight, nine. Okay. Somewhere around there, maybe ten. Well, the film was 08, so. I would have been 10. Mm. Uh, and, you know, watching The Dark Knight as a 10 year old, yeah, that's quite. <laughs> you know, like, it's quite, explains a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, The Dark Knight was one of those movies. Yeah, it's that, right on the cusp. Yeah, yeah that caused a lot of people to write in and complain yeah. to the BBFC, and they were like, first of all, we have a hard 12 barrier, and now you're asking us to give you more freedom. So mm. we did, and now you're complaining about having that freedom. But it does nothing wrong, it's all implicit. Like, the scene that people have the problem with, which is the pencil in the eye, which the is camera, No, but the camera pans up while mm-hmm. it does that. It's just the sound effect. One of the interesting mm. things is that I noticed, as you said, with being older, with being a true student of film now, mm-hmm. it's just how bloody beautifully it's directed. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like Wally Fister is not a great director, but a fabulous <laughs> well, he does cinematographer. Now. He does direct now. Wally Fister, yeah, director Transcendence. That's yeah. why I said he's not a great director. Yeah, yeah. Which I may or may not own on Blu-ray. Yeah, he does. That's why he was in my brain. <laughs> but no, and there was certain there's certain scenes where I, it's the scene where he where Batman not Bruce Wayne but Batman, um, says to Lucius, you know, he shows him the like the surveillance. Mm-hmm technology that he's created to locate the Joker and it brings up this whole topic of because obviously the Dark Knight really is the idea of, of, how, of how you know how far will you go to stop me yeah yeah. You know, will you break your one rule and instead of breaking the rule in the sense of killing yeah. you, you know he still doesn't kill the Joker but he but he breaks arguably a rule which is even worse, which is the idea he's now spying on the very people he claims to be protecting. Yeah, like he's becoming he's becoming yeah. George Bush. Yeah, he's <laughs> becoming the NSA, and it's yeah. it was one of those sorts of things. And you I, know, I, you I think to do that in a Batman film. Not at all. And yeah. you know what? I it didn't even dawn on me until I was watching it that time. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah, but there are times where the Joker mm. makes a, like a warped sense. Yeah, it's like yeah. he shows. He's an anarchist. All anarchists make some degree of sense. Yeah, but it's like he's showing how arbitrary mm. only having that one rule is. Yeah, and like how society is like at the end of the day kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah, and and no, that's why he's so threatening because you don't want to believe him. No, you don't want to agree with him. Yeah, but, but he's he kind of do. Really well. Yeah, if any like. <laughs> There is a thing about The Dark Knight where the Joker and Batman are both written so well mm-hmm. to match each other that by comparison everyone else almost seems really sense. thinly written. Mm. Well, that, well, but they're that, not. That's the thing. Yeah. No, but Gordon especially, he seems quite... It's like, oh, I'm a cop. I do what's, you know, good. But then you actually there and you're like, dude... You make tough calls. Yeah. You make tough calls and the thing is, as one of, one, of my, one of the most interesting moments actually for me was actually when you think he's been killed and then about sort of half hour 45 minutes later just he goes back to his wife and he's like exactly. it was the only way I could Protecting. make sure you're safe yeah and his wife just like slaps him one and then just hugs him 
Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, no, that is real. That's like, such a fantastic moment. Because the thing is, I could imagine a husband, a father going, I can only know you're safe if everyone, including you, thinks I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And then you get that moment when I have no excuse mm. other than I did it because I, honest to God, thought it was what was right. Mm-hmm. And then he... And then obviously she makes the most honest reaction, which is, I fucking hate you. Yeah. But, but, but please just hold me. Yeah. And it's fucking beautiful. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so, I mean, I know obviously it's Christopher Nolan, um, his brother, whose name has escaped. Jonathan. Me, Jonathan. And David, so and David S. Goya helped as well. Oh, 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 David S. Goya. <laughs> that fantastic writer he, he of Blade brought, and Batman versus He Superman. brought them coffee and he threw out an idea for a line. Yeah. No, by David um, Goyer's own admission, he's not a very good writer. He's good at structure, and that's it. Well, by it's his own words. I think if you look, the credits say story by mm. David Esquire, and it's written by David and Jonathan. Yeah, like... He also wrote both Ghost Rider films, do not forget. Yeah, on, on, the, on the commentary of um, Blade, mm. he talks about how Wes- Wesley Snipes would just go in every day on set and He's be insane. like... He's insane. No, but he'd just go in every day on set and be like, this stuff's crap, why don't I just do this? And everyone else would say, yeah, that's much better, Wesley. And they'd do that. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I think Wesley Snipes is now like... Where is Wesley Snipes? Out of prison in Expendables Three. He ha- he's he out of prison now. He yeah, is he is, that. and he has he has he's on Twitter, and, <laughs> and on Twitter people <laughs> keep sending him messages on Twitter saying I love you, Wesley. You're so fabulous, and he keeps just soaking in for his ego. He was in Expendables Three, and about six months ago, okay, he said that he is officially in actual genuine talks for Expendables Four. No, to bring back Blade into the MCU. Doesn't make sense to me, but okay. yeah, no, Blade. How old is he now? Blade being in the MCU is such a bad move. It's vampires. What? It's it's an eighteen rated movie with a sequel directed by Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> nonetheless. And a sequel to that directed by, by David Esquire, starring Ryan Reynolds. Just put it on Netflix. Put put it with like Jessica Jones and stuff. Is what I'd say. Sure. Oh, and it's set in New York, so that would work perfectly. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Blade and Jessica Jones. Yeah. Holy shit. Blade and Daredevil. Yeah. I just love that Blade and Daredevil are sitting down and having a chat. Really well. So I'm going to punish it. People think really well in that. Marvel, let's But then Guillermo del Toro is in the MCU. I'd love it How if like, that make sense? Comes, like, oh no, Blade is coming back. But in, like, the net, well, it oh, won't be Netflix anymore, would it? Because they're doing their own... Guillermo del Toro has worked on TV before with The Strain. Yeah. Which is really good, by the way. That is what I watched... The last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I saw Suburbicon. Oh. Good tell. Yeah. Is it as bad as... When I walked out, I thought, that, that, that was flawed, but it's not as bad as everyone says it is. Really? On reflection, it's as bad <laughs> as everyone says it is. Like... I um, keep getting it confused with downsizing, and I actually want to see downsizing. Downsizing looks quite good, and Alexander Payne is a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Like, and him working in sci-fi is such a, like, a turn mm-hmm. out of left field for me. But, um, yeah, but the thing is with Suburbicon is the trailer sells you this Coen Brothers comedy mm-hmm. of um, Matt Damon and Julianne Moore, and there's life insurance cons, and Oscar Isaacs is in it, and he's going to be a big part. Oscar Isaacs is in it for two scenes, and... Redacted for spoilers. Third billing, isn't he? Yeah, so he's in two like, scenes. Is it like Adam Driver in the Mayowitz trailer? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But um, and what they don't tell you in the trailer is that a George Clooney doesn't understand how to edit a Coen Brothers script for comedy. 
But did they write it then? Uh, they wrote, I'm getting to that. They wrote the script, and then George Clooney and his co-writer Grant Heslow found it, uh, and they um, no, they added, they, they they added, added scenes. They oh. added scenes, to and they took out others. Part, they? Oh. Yeah, this is what the trailer doesn't tell you. So there was a B plot in which a black family move into this white neighborhood, and horrible racism happens. And kind of, I think what they were trying to do is say that whilst everyone was over having a riot about the black couple here, the horrible crimes were committed in the house next door. Mm-hmm. But what that fails to do is the black people are just kind of there and the parents don't ever say anything except, Timmy, come back inside. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's so badly done. Mm-hmm. And, like, he doesn't know how to properly do a Coen Brothers script, even though he's in them. We've had a, you and me have had a discussion about he's very hit and miss directing anyway. His first two are quite good, mm-hmm. and the rest of them are not. Yeah. He directed Monuments Men. <laughs> but like on a mathematical level, he's more hits than misses. No, no, he's on a 50-50 now. Mm. Because he's directed four movies. Yeah. And so the next one will be The Decider, I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like, I love Good Night and Good Luck. I love that movie. Suburbicon <laughs> is like... If Fargo is really clumsy, mm-hmm. and like... I love the Coen Brothers. I don't love Fargo. I quite like Fargo. Yeah. And it's like if that film wasn't that good. Okay. Oh, I did forget to mention a film. What was your film? I, I watched so many movies, I've left mm-hmm. loads out, but... No, this is something that I really do want to talk about. Okay. Uh, it is the most student, film student film I think I've seen in my life. Okay. Logan will remember me talking about this because it was actually brought to our attention by Andy in college. Andy was our teacher. Um... I watched a film called Russian Ark. I've heard of this. Yes. Done yeah. entirely in one take. Mm-hmm. Done entirely in one take, so filmed in the Hermitage Museum, yeah. which was at one, which was before the Hermitage Museum, it was the Winter Palace, which was the residence of the Russian Tsar. Yeah. My question for you on Russian Ark yes. is, I, I don't want to interrupt, but this is the key okay, deal breaker for me, okay. is, is there anything to it other than it's done on one take? <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. Oh. It's my answer to that. Okay. There is not a traditional narrative oh, in the okay. sense of you've got, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you've got characters going through this and going through that. It is a, it is a collection of beautifully choreographed, beautifully shot, yeah. beautifully costumed moments of Russian history, uh, all put together that rivals that of the Russian ballet. Oh, that's interesting. Filmed beautifully. Okay. Mm. There, the last scene shows when you have a, a basic understanding of Russian history. Mm-hmm. How fucking heartbreaking sure. the Russian Revolution was. Right. Uh, from, from the pers- uh, obviously, it's not spoiling anything because this, this, this. No, no, in terms of what happened in history. Yeah. The Russian royal family was brutally gunned down mm-hmm. by the Bolsheviks. Yes. What you see in Russian art is you see the glamour, you see the beauty, you see the elegance that the Russian Empire was at that point, or just before. Yes. And it's very much the idea of they were stupid in one way because they didn't do enough to help the people. Yes. But at the end of the day, they were a family. Yeah. They were, and also you got to, and when knowing basic history of the Russian family, especially in the case of Nicholas II, what yeah. he was like as a person, uh, he, we watched Anastasia recently. Yes, we did. 
And there are some beautiful scenes in that where you just see Nicholas with, you know, the four daughters and mm. Alexei, his only son. You know, they're just, you know, they're swimming, you know, and that's what Anastasia dreams of having again is a family to go swimming with. Yeah. And you see sort of versions of that in Russian arc. And it's beautiful. It's, it's, right. it's, 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 it's like a fairy tale. It's, it's amazing. So wow. our college teacher wasn't up his own ass. Well, for this one moment. You know. <laughs> um, no, the thing is that it's a really weird movie because obviously you've got the gimmick of it is shot in one take. Mm-hmm. It's filmed in the Hermitage Museum, and you've got this massive collection of I think it's roughly three hundred years Stuck of Russian history. Fuck yeah! You know all kind of because obviously it's moments. You know it's 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 like it's like a shit ton of short yeah. stories. It's like the summary of history, like an hour, yeah. two hours. It's it's the it's the summary of the Romanov family line. Right, I see. And it's it was really quite incredible. It's it was an experience unlike any I've ever had in my life in terms of. Okay, that I'm going to make it real simple, real quick though. Yeah. So regardless of whatever impact it had on you, yes, as a movie, and you can take into account with film students, yes. would you recommend it to film students? Yes, okay. but not to anyone else. They bore the piss out of anyone else. If they if they if they like Russian history, okay, yes. Sure. Um, I don't think it's not uh, interesting really. No, it's definitely not. It's like there are some really, like, I'm told there are some very nice Russian movies out there, you know. Um, Mm. I've been given, like, several to watch. Leviathan's meant to be really good. Yeah, that's one of the ones I've been given a watch. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's like, obviously, Russia have only really started to promote their film industry again recently. Mm. Sure. Um, yeah. Like they had that, that was obviously just an Avengers rip off that was apparently god awful mm-hmm. called the Russian, Russian Guardians, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've heard of this. Anastasia, who was my friend in Russia, she despises that movie. <laughs> I it, remember so many friends were like, this looks really cool. And I was like, that's, that's kind of I'm sad. sure it's okay. terrible. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, no, it is. The, the critics like it. <laughs> it's laughable. It's, um, is it Justice League bad? Well, I haven't seen it yet, but... Okay. Uh, but, but, you know how much I hate Justice yeah. League? Is it that bad? Well, do you want me to tell you what Anastasia said to me? Like, sure. when she... Because I asked her about it, I said, like, okay, there's this film that's been kind of, like, going around, and it's... it's in the internet, you know, like, and, and, I, and she said to her, and she looked at me, and she said, I know exactly what you're going to ask me. Oh. <laughs> and no. <laughs> well, what would you even compare that to? Really? And, and, then, and then I said to you, well... I don't know if this is what you thought I was talking about, but I'm talking about <laughs> Guardians. And she oh. looks at me and she gives me a scowl. <laughs> and having a Russian woman giving you a scowl <laughs> is not something you want to see. Had the vodka come out yet? No, but I have a feeling it might have been <laughs> What would you compare it to? I compare it to Asylum movies. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, no, these are like uh, knock-off rip-offs mm, of yeah. bigger movies. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, like, apparently it's based off like a comic book in Russia. Mm. Okay. I've heard. Well, Valerian's based on a comic book. It doesn't mean that is it's it not like, like retro. But is it like a song hit you up? Like, uh, there's a thing on like like the Russian YouTube called a Sharknado. Is this any? <laughs> is this yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. To be fair though, they do you have Russian Facebook, which is like the exact same thing. Like, that's if cool. you look at the interface, yeah, it's like what Facebook was when it first came out. Do you think Mark Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg? Do you think Mark Zuckerberg can sue Russia? <laughs> Good luck. Win. Yeah, he'd probably win. Yeah, he's got the money. <laughs> But Russia have the, 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 the spice that put radioactive chemicals in your drinks. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't a drink. It was um, um, it was in, uh, in an umbrella, which you literally just oh, tapped yeah. against the person. I, 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 I heard that in a spy book. I That's thought it was genuine, made up. No, 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 this was a genuine thing. So there was, yeah. this, there was a KGB 
agent working in London that was a double agent for MI6. Yeah. The KGB found out, and then um, this guy would take the bus every day, you know, routinely. Yeah. And so a Russian KGB agent had an umbrella. He just had to, like, poke, the, let the tip of the umbrella into the leg. It would go through the jeans, yeah. and it would go into the skin. And once the, um, like, a coating of, like, something had dissolved, because obviously you have the, the heat of your body mm-hmm. would dissolve yeah. it, um, it released uh, uranium. In his bloodstream, basically, so he died of uranium poisoning. Do you know oh, what? There's a picture about that, the guy in yeah. the walking sticks. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just, I just remembered where I heard it. Yeah. In an Agatha Christie book. So the Russians ripped off Agatha Christie. Everyone's been talking about the, the, the new Andy Kaufman Netflix documentary. Yes. There's another one that I've seen, which you just reminded me of, okay. called Voyeur. Okay, I've not seen it. And one of the two subjects of this documentary wrote a very famous book about the Romanovs. Which is why that reminded me of that. Okay. But um, basically, um, there was this guy who's a voyeur for 25 years. He owned a motel and they had this little ventilation system above all the rooms mm-hmm. that he'd used to go and spy on what people were doing in the rooms. Good to him. Yeah. And the, the other subject is writing a book about him. It's not really about much. Okay. Like you think it is at the beginning, like, oh, the point of this is how journalism is like voyeurism. It's not. It's more a character study of both of these people. That is an interesting metaphor, though. Yeah, 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 because you're looking into these people's lives. Mm. Um, it's it's flawed, but there are some amazing moments in it. Okay. Like when the journalist doesn't think that this documentary is about him. But there was a moment when um, the person has a problem with something he wrote in the book about him. And the directors ask the journalist a, a question that they'd already asked the subject beforehand. And he fucking flips out. And it's amazing. Because it's like he's taking the high ground saying, this is bad journalism. You're trying to, to do a hit piece against me. And you're like, um, your own words are there. They have some damning to do. But I feel like they have already done them. Is this on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. It's on okay. Netflix and it's great. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. That's like loaded questions almost. It's not even that loaded. But he just like... <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Okay then. Yeah, I might not have, like, um, 100% accurately said what... I might have misremembered details mm-hmm. about what happened, but that is basically what happened. That sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's a great character study of two real-life people. Okay. Cool. 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 One of whom wrote a book about the Romanovs. Really? I did say that at the beginning, Liam, and yeah. I was looking at you, expecting <laughs> a reaction. I was, I was actually texting the girl from Russia. So oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> I was saying, I literally, yeah. I literally said, hang on, I'll, I'll read you the text message. Um, I literally said to her... Hey Anastasia, just to let you know, we've ended up talking about guns again, don't hate me yet. To which she replies, why'd you do this to me? Yeah, at one, Guardians, point, Guardians, Guardians. At one point, um, the guy, the journalist goes on Timmy Kimmel. Mm. And they introduce him by saying, author of such fantastic books as The Romanovs. And I'm like, what? Because I know how much you're yeah. interested in that. Yeah, no, 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 I've got a bloody big book at my bedside table at the moment. Oh, about The Romanovs. It's fucking sure. kidding me. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you could get this other one to be less big. Well, is it, how big is it? Is I don't it, know. Well, I don't know. I just know that this is like it might a, be bigger for we know. It's like he's a pulp journalist. Really came out in like the Hunter S. Thompson era. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So like he's he's a he's one of those like first hand investigative journalists. He's like my favorite kind. Yeah. Gon- Gon- gonzo journalism. Yeah, pretty much. He, well, he's not a gonzo journalist, but he came out of that, that scene. Yeah. 
now for the movie news section. Now, yeah. it's been it's been a slightly quieter week. No sexual harassment scandals this week. I know, thankfully. which I'm not going to lie, I was surprised at. I was really shocked, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there's been, like, I, there were, I think I heard something about, no, no, we've lied. Oh. Brian Singer. Which, wait, we already one. knew about Brian Singer. I know, but it's another one. And it's a bit of a worse he one as well. He will get like, credit he... for, the, for Bohemian Rhapsody, by the way. No, he's left the project. No, 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 but no, there's two weeks. No, someone else has come aboard. A friend of his who he had meetings with to direct the two weeks because he got fired. But because of the DGA stuff, this isn't like Ron Howard shooting for six months. Brian Singer will get credit for that film. Well, directing is weird to mm-hmm. figure that out. But like, I mean, I know why they brought that law in. It's because of like first and second units. Like yeah. that's why that that law exists. It's such a great, it's yeah. so great now. But it's getting to the point where I'm kind of it's like. It reached its pinnacle for me when they literally had, like, two weeks left, but they decided to spend six months shooting an entirely new film with Solo. I was like, okay, that's just fucking ridiculous yeah. for your credit. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, so, so that happened. happened. But let's talk about... You know, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want, I to, talk want to talk about, about Jurassic World. Did you see the trailer? I did. Cool, what did you think? Um, it... I really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. Okay. 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 It, it it looks like Chris Pratt doing his normal Chris Pratt thing of him going, "Oh, I can be smart. I can be creepy. It's what oh, I do. Yeah. It's my gig," and then kind of giving that same sort of smug ass smile he gives, and you know the little wink. That's nudge that's just the, the bar scene, though. That's all you have for that. No, 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 no. The entire film. Oh, the, wait, wait the, you're at the, 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 that's the entire, the, the first Jurassic World, yeah. No, 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 the entire, no, the entire trailer, it's just Chris it's Pratt, cool. it's just, just Chris Pratt, and I, and I, are you, are you over Chris Pratt? I, 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 was never, I was never on board <laughs> with Chris Pratt in the first place. He was I, very, he was forced on us, Chris Pratt was. You know what, he's kind of like it, Sam Worthington, only the fact that he's kind of he's, having, he's got a career, somehow, <laughs> and, you know, it's ridiculous, because at the end of the day, it should be more than that, but... I mean, like, I get it. I mean, obviously, you're, you're Logan, you're going to go see it because it's fucking Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum! And life finds a way. <laughs> no, life uh, finds a way. Life finds uh, a way. Oh, a, 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 a way. I most likely go see it. Mm. I mean, I still haven't seen the first. We'll most likely have world. to see it for this podcast. Exactly. Oh. But, like, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not hyped. I'm not, I'm not going to be, like, running down the cinema. <laughs> it's going like, to sound so obvious, but yeah. do you know what I thought I saw? What? I saw a Jurassic Park trailer. That's literally all I got from it. I got from okay, dinosaurs, island, people running. Oh, a Jurassic Park trailer. Like the the premise is very B movieish, but at the end of the day, that's just um, a device to get the plot to happen. Give me something new, please. I mean, like the thing is, I really like Jay Boyona. I've only seen his last movie, Obstacles, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, started out in horror, did the orphanage, Spanish version. No, they did release a behind the scenes like video for yeah. Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. About Jerry talking about the themes he wants to input into it, and he is really passionate about this script, this film. So him as a director is really likable in what he was saying. And I don't want them to Sure, but like, how much the, of that do you think the, was manufactured? Oh, no. I know, it was probably all manufactured, but like, the trailer looks like it has a vision. It's shot really yes. well in the way that the first film was just yes, shot. Just shot. Mm. And, but here's the thing, and in that same video, though, I don't want to be Force Awakened again, but they were showing so much of the animatronics and they looked fucking brilliant. Mm. They're going to paint over them with pretty CGI, but they really are don't. Are they going to the thing prequel them? I hope not. Oh my god, don't be so do I. But they, they looked great in that behind the scenes video. So, 
they've got that. They they said they're going out of their way to do considerably a lot more than what was in Jurassic World. And Jurassic World's big whole thing was, oh, we're doing more animatronics. In reality, in the final film, there's like only one animatronic left in the film. Yeah, the rest are like painted over. But like. If this film is mostly animatronics, I will be sure. on board for it. I just didn't see it. But it's like there, was, so, there are like loads of shots in that trailer that I was like, that looks really, really cool. And if if I'm just going for a movie to have fun with, and maybe I'll get like sure. a lesson along the way, yeah. then maybe those maybe shots sell that movie to me. Yeah. Don't breed dinosaurs as the lesson. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. But it's like don't, don't resurrect dead species. They're dead for I guess. I know. I, I was watching the trailer next to Logan, being like. Um, I really hope that this isn't all the movie has and they've given us the best moment in their trailer and then another moment that I liked more would happen and then I'd have that same reaction yeah. and then another moment that I liked more no, would happen. It all looks like it was taking place. It, like, like most of that trailer looked like it was like two set pieces. You know, it looked like... like if you told me everything in that trailer happens in, in 20 minutes of each other... I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But in which case, like, the fuck else is in there? That's cool. Oh, Lord knows. Volcanoes and... Jeff and Sam Neill probably. I don't know. It, it, it looks like um, the, uh, the kind of movie, the, like Kong Skull Island. It, the premise is just something to happen and then just lots of cool oh, no. shit Kong happens Skull one Island after another. More, Kong Skull Island's trailer felt a lot more fun to me than this. And Kong Skull Island is a really fun movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched it and my immediate thought was, this is like an antidote to Michael Bay. Because it has yeah. heart and fun and it's made with but a love knows, of what they're it doing. it still knows what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's a Cannibal Holocaust reference in there, which like, but is like, what? The director of Kong's Garland is now going to be doing the di- directing the Metal Gear Solid film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I don't know, I'm getting really tired of this. I mean, Jurassic Park and then The Lost World, cool. But I don't need a Jurassic Park 5 in my life. I've never needed that. Did you need a Jurassic Park 4 in your life? I actually found the fourth one refreshing. I don't. I am. For, I am forever inconsistent if I like it or don't. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Me, that's. I'm the same way. Because it feels really bland and nothing. But after Jurassic Park three, it's really refreshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's not a great movie. But it has. It has a T Rex fighting it's Velociraptors, fighting a bigger T Rex. And I saw Jurassic World for the first time in the past six months on Netflix, and I was like, okay, this is after the hype, and I'm watching it on a small screen. Yeah. It was entertaining, yeah. but it's nothing super special. I'm going to be honest, none of the movies they ever make in the Jurassic Park franchise will be as good as the first one. Oh, you can't. Ever. You can't. You could just can't reach those heights. But like I was saying to you guys earlier, Jurassic World was trying to be a loose 2014-2015 remake of Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. In this trailer, they're going back to that same island again. Mm. Not the Jurassic World islands, but the island from Jurassic Park 2 and 3. Yeah. They're going back to the island, the, the, second, the second park. Which means they're going back to the island from the shitty films we don't like. If you're going to jump off anything, like people liked Jurassic World because it was like Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try and do anything like Jurassic Park 3 or Jurassic Park 2, can you maybe not? Yeah, sure, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up. To yeah, like, you're, um, you're, you're paying respect to things that shouldn't be paid respect to. Yeah, it's well, like not, yeah, 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 but it's, at the same time, it's like you're making Jurassic World 1 and you're paying respect to Jurassic Park, which, which is a great movie, but you're paying respect itself. to it, but at the same time, if you want to hold yourself up to that standard, you're never going to best that. Sure, sure. If you want to compare yourself to Jurassic World 2, you can no, do a hell of yeah, a lot better. To me, the, when I first viewed the show, I viewed it alone, it was like 11 at night yesterday, yeah. and I was like, this looks like the Lost World on steroids with explosions. Yes. And I'm like, I don't need that. Sure. You know, the Lost World is what it is. It's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> but it's like, why do we when need he, When to... people thought he could do dramatic roles. Why do we need to blow up he the can. island? He mm. can't. But like, but, but, but why do we... I don't know. I'm, like, like you said, I'm going to see it because uh, the, the, uh, the Goldblum. The, the Goldblum. There's one scene in uh, the courtroom. Well, I'm going to see it for the Boyona, but you know. 
But I'm just, I won't say I'm hyped for it. If they give me a trailer two or a trailer three and they really like blow out my expectations, cool. Just right now, I'm like, that exists. Yeah. That's, that's where I am. But then obviously we got another trailer which was Alita. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, which is not Lolita, but Alita. Alita, Anita, Lolita. The film is called Alita Battle Angel and it's based off the anime Battle Angel Alita. Go figure. But like, oh. anime films that when they're translated into live action for American audiences, very hit and miss. Yeah, stuff like Dragon Ball. <laughs> Maybe we don't like that. I haven't seen it. We have stuff like Ghost in the Shell which made me want to Hang myself. Looked pretty. Not a good movie. We have. Have you seen the original Ghost in the Shell? I have. Fucking fantastic movie. Have you seen Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell? No, please don't. <laughs> and then I saw this. I'm I've not like, seen either. Like, yeah, well, we're lucky. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you might like the original. Yeah. No, the original's great. You but, should see like, it. I look at this trailer and I'm like, I don't have the slightest clue what's going on. But it looks kind of visually interesting, at least. I will say, it's trailer one, but the CGI does look a bit... Final Fantasy, especially on like Alita's face. Well, the problem is it looked like it looked like it had very little of the like heart that other Robert Rodriguez films have that mm. made me like them. It looked like a very studio movie. Yeah, well, I think he was more like a gun for hire for this one because this one this has been in development since like the early nineties. Sure. And James Cameron himself was going to direct it. Uh, then Avatar happened. And he was like, I need four more of these in my life. And everyone else does too. Yeah, so he's, so he's just he's just like, I think he's quite a hands-on producer. It's Because it's always been promoted before the trailer release as James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez's Alita. Yes. So I think he, Robert Rodriguez, I think Robert, Robert Rodriguez is in the right product, in the right product, he can make not a lot of money look like quite a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, the money's on the screen oh with that God, one. Can you not? I was talking more like Machete Kills and Planet Terror, but okay. But no, 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 Machete Kills no. 2, that's where we're at. <laughs> no, Machete Kills looks like it was made for, you know, a couple million. Yeah, it was probably made for less than that. I, with Machete Kills, it was on late at night on Film 4, when I was in Uni of Leeds in Student Halls. Yeah. And I'd just done an essay, so I was like, might as well. No reason why not. I can mm-hmm. watch it, I can write a review, and it can just be a fun B-movie. It's not a fun B-movie. I mean, he made a film for like $5,000 that became a huge, ginormous hit and propelled his like career. So Which like, film was this again? The El Mariachi. Oh, that one, yeah. So it's like, it's like whatever. And this is him with, you know, a James Cameron budget. So I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like. Sure. Personally, the anime eyes didn't freak me out. Everyone on the internet is like, that's horribly unnatural. I thought it looks cool. I think they're trying to do the Pixar thing of giving your main character big eyes. To make them more like endearing, them endearing yeah. sure. And also, it's to differentiate, because obviously she's like a robot, robot or something, yeah. like an android or something. So that it would make sense for her to like have something that made her stand out from yeah. regular but if, humans. But if you look everyone else, Christoph Holtz is not. But right. if you look at the villain androids in the movie, they all have regular eyes. Ooh, so it must, it Blade Runner. So um, what? So it must tie into her then, because I know. What like, is it with eyes and with fucking robots? Well, because eyes like the windows to the soul. Yeah, you know, yeah, what's happening? Someone yeah. yeah. If only you could see the things I've seen with like, your eyes. Well, so, like, how did you feel about the trailer as a whole then? Thought it really generic. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, no it, strong it, it looked like it's shot like beautifully. Yeah, but. Again, and I and I think the music was fantastic. I mean, yeah, the trailer I really was, liked that song choice. The 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 trailer was really well made, just yeah. overall. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna be like day one. Yeah, not gonna be day one. But again, I will go see it because I've not seen many Rodriguez films, mm-hmm. but I've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yep. I've seen Machete Kills, and I've seen 
a bit of Sin City. Have you seen sure. Spy Kids? I have. See Spy, Spy Kids. Sin <laughs> City actually. I I I only saw like a bit of it because I was gonna be basically I had ten minutes before I had to go out to dinner. Okay. So and it was on like film four, so it was okay. almost like ten minutes. It wasn't even the beginning ten minutes. Yeah. It was just it's ten minutes. Ten minutes, of the film, ten minutes sure. segment, and I was like, okay, this is interestingly shot because obviously that has a tie to the style of digital age, which is something I always had quite an interest in. So I wanted to watch it for that historical sure. sort of context. Um, and it was okay, bit too much style over substance. I get that, but I th- to me it's always felt like the kind of point, I guess, because it, 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 like, it's one of those films where they use the you graphic what, novel as the storyboards. You know what, um, actually, the way, I, the way you, know, you know like how when you, it, they do this in gaming, mm-hmm. where like, they build a new game engine, and they they don't do anything for it, they just make like concept videos yeah, to yeah. test the game engine. Like when the Oculus came out, we just had these sort of like, look, you're in another world for a couple of seconds. Like exactly. watchdogs. Yeah, 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 like that, like that. But then you get, and then I get the feeling that um, that's what Sin City was, but for digital cameras. Yeah, sure, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, what, it, what the, the story is, like, like Rodriguez came to the Attack of the Clones set. And he and George Lucas, oh George God. Lucas showed him digital cameras, and it kind of blew Rodriguez's mind a little bit. Being someone who likes working with small budgets, he's like, "Wait, I can play this back. I can shoot as much as I like. Wait, what?" And then he kind of like, "I can shoot a whole movie on green screen with digital cameras. I'm gonna do that just because I can." And he immediately went out and made and like three years later, later. and then three years later, Sin City came out. And right. Then Chuck three years, I I can I can believe that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. sounds like the kind of guy Rodriguez. But like, is. it looks. It's something I can always just put on in the background and just look at. Like, yeah. it is style of a sentence. I'm not going to say you're wrong. You're 100% correct because the writing is sexist and a bit, a bit like, 50 years behind. Mm. But it's just gorgeous for me to look at, I think. Those I mean, this is Frank Miller. Was this when Frank Miller was pro- properly medicated? I mean, Frank Miller was a co-director on Sin City and Sin City 2. That's the real thing. That explains quite a lot. And so is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, on the, yeah, the, on the first, first one. one. Yeah. So it's like, whatever. But it's like Alita... Yeah, I agree. Like, it looks interesting, but I would not be surprised if it, like, sucked balls. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested. I'm, I mean, I can't... I don't think it's going to be, like, an Oscar winner. Definitely <laughs> not that, but... I don't know. I'm, 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 I would say I'm more interested mm. than looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, is it the kind of thing where you're waiting for a trailer, too, to get an opinion? Yeah, similar to what was going to... And this is a segue. What was going to happen with Ready Player 2. Yeah. Because not Ready Player 2? Ready Player 1. Sequel confirmed! <laughs> Ready Player One. I mean, yeah. it's built in for a sequel called Ready Player Two, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. And then it's and then it's um, Ready Player Tag Team, Ready Player oh, yes. Esports. Okay. Uh, Re- Ready Player VR Virtual Reality, but that's the premise of the movie anyway, so you yeah. can't. DLC loot boxes. Yeah, no, 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 no. You know, it's um, uh, Ready Player Ready Player One. Well, your bank account, mate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he'd be like. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, Ready Player One. I I don't think I'm going to go see it. You don't think you're going to see it? Okay. I mean, I'm going to go see it because I, I adore the book. Mm-hmm. You're talking about an opinion, I guess. I'm saying it because I want an opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I no, no, no. I'm seeing it because I adore the book. And, you know, any Spielberg movie is something to look forward to. I was going to gonna read the book in preparation for it. I was, I'm planning to do this since it's, I was like It's not a short book. Since I was like, like, like 400 pages, isn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. Which isn't long, but it's not short. Yeah. Mm. But it's like... When I was at college, I saw it in the library when the film was like announced. I was like, I really want to read that. I've heard great things. And my dad's read the book, and he says the book's really good. My it dad's is. not the kind of person you'd expect to read that book. Yeah, but he's read. Really, he's read Red Player <laughs> Well, it's not just eighties nostalgia. It's like very compelling characters and stories. I haven't done it yet. I might do it closer to the release of the movie. Sure. I, d- I, like, I must admit, I don't. 
I, after that trailer. I, I mean, you'll, you'll know because, like, when the first trailer yeah, came out... I, you haven't been a fan of any trailer, really. I, I, I watched the first trailer and I was like, it's pretty. I didn't even think the first trailer was pretty, to be honest. The yeah, second trailer is way prettier than the first one. Oh, yeah, it's one. definitely... The second trailer you, you were just like... You're just throwing brands at the screen because you can. Yeah. Yeah, on the, on the first trailer, I was basically like, you're taking me to this world where anything can happen and you're showing me brown sludge. You're like, showing me like Freddy Krueger and... Uh, and no, I don't mind Deadpool. that. I think I saw Deadpool in this. Deadpool second. and Harley Quinn, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't mind that. It is just... It'll be the world of it is so unimaginatively shot. Like, even even watching the second trailer, all of these colours and everything, this, and this yeah, world, but it's it still looks really... White, like, man. It, the, there's the, there is a scene in the nightclub in Blade Runner 2049 oh. that looks incredible. It does. It really fucking and does. And they tried to do a similar thing with one particular shot in this trailer. Yeah. And it it looks so bland. And I don't understand how that really happens. see what's going on. And the, I think Spielberg basically... I think what Spielberg basically thought was, okay, they're in this virtual reality world. We have to make everything look really digitised. Which is not. Yeah. What, people are meant to get lost in this world. Thank you. So for it has that. to be a convincing yeah. world. Like, you know that scene where I can only guess what's yeah, the yeah. hooker yeah. brushing yeah. up against his body? Similar to, like, Elite Battle Angel, I was like, that looks like a CGI person. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, how would, you would never find that. You know, like, it's the sort of thing where, like, for me, I was watching this trailer and I was just kind of like, okay. I, I'm very interested in virtual reality just as like a concept mm-hmm. and, I, and you, yeah like people I imagine if the technology ever gets to that point people would want to spend more time in that world than our own sure because if worse comes to worse and you don't like the way you play the game one day you just quit that save and go back it's escapism that you can control exactly like, yeah. stop being god of your own life in a sure way. but again like the, the point like of Minecraft is the, the reason that there's 80s nostalgia in the book is that Mark Rylance's character who invented this world was obsessed with the 80s because that's sure. when he grew up and he puts all of this in the book. So people will, like, when he dies and people are trying to look for these Easter eggs, they look for things in the 80s and they study the 80s because that's what he knows. That and then okay. Trace of Mavwat shows up. King Kong shows up. Yeah. Deadpool shows up. He was created in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Like, I understand adaptation and you have to make changes. This is just confusing me. If they contextualise it in the adaptation, yeah, I'll be more okay oh, with that. Like you say that like, the 80s was an important part of the book. Yeah, it, it's really specific. It, it's not that just that it's 80s nostalgia, it's a style and a tone that's Yeah, no, but for, me, for the character, yeah. the 80s was important, and now they're throwing stuff from like the 2000s and the 90s in there. So because they can. That being said, though, just because you can, just because something is important, doesn't mean that something else wasn't. So, I, think, so like, sure. I guess, like, there might, like, for me, like my my favorite decade is the fifties. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I love the fashion, I love the music, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the music of now. Yeah. It just means that I have a fondness for the It's just people's logic is we can get out of our dystopian nightmare if we find these Easter eggs. We know that this guy is obsessed with the oh. 80s, so we will all study the 80s and build our lives around it, so we will have a better chance of finding these Easter eggs. Did you guys even think it was like particularly shot well, like the live action segments? The live action segments, I, I thought, were. That, that was on shot where it goes around him as he's putting the goggles on and it goes into the goggles. I found that actually a really good segment. It segue. seems very post Children of Men. In, I guess. In, in, My favourite shot was. Actually, I can't say it. Actually, it's in the trailer. It's in the trailer, it's the yeah. Can. The There's that one bit where he is running. Towards like his, I think is his home. Yeah. And then you just see the explosion. I got really pissed off with yeah, that because that's spoiled. such a key plot point in the book. I just it I completely just, changes the tone of the rest of the story. And I was watching that. I was like, the camera is quite far further away than what I would traditionally yeah. think it to be. 
And it was, I liked but that. But it's like, that is the shit gets real. See, to, me, that just the looked, to me, the way that was staged in the trailer just screamed to me at that moment in Force Awakens when they were going to the ship. And it oh, blows yeah. up. Yeah. No, but that's not what it feels like in the story, no, but it might be in the, the film. Story, like the way that was shot, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. No, there's a big difference. You've got camera distance, you've got lens choice, you've got the environment in which it's occurring mm. in. There's a lot of different elements. And that being said, if you were to really say that, then just look at any, look at most action films where the hero's running towards something that inevitably blows up. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, you know, that's it's a, a bit of a trope, you know. Yeah. It's an, you know, like, there's, there are very few images that can be quite so cinematic as a, as a dark, brooding hero in a darkened <laughs> environment with an explosion mm-hmm. happening Just in front of them, something they care yeah. about. Mm-hmm. That's cinematic. That's cinematic imagery 101. Yeah. Well, like, one thing I do want yeah. to bring up, one thing I do want to bring up, it's really funny, and I, and I know you've seen it, James, I yes. think. And did anybody see the poster they put out yesterday? For oh, for Ready Player One. <laughs> no, I haven't. Seen it. No, I haven't. <laughs> With the guy whose leg. <laughs> look at look at the Ready Player One poster. Okay. It's a bit. Nah. Very very tragic. One very specific element it's is very very Photoshop tragic. Photoshop one hundred and one. What the fuck are you doing, studio marketing department? No, can you not? Uh, yeah, this one here. You click on it and um, full screen and look at the dude's leg. How long is that? <laughs> James will put this. James will put this poster on screen. We don't have a screen. James will look up this poster. But that is that is that is that is horrible. That is actually awful. Yeah, they released that. I wonder what. Yeah. What do you think Ty Sheridan thinks of that poster? (laughs) Mark Rylance is in this movie. As is Ben Mendelsohn. Johnny Byron is in this movie. I mean, that's got talent. That's a talented cast and a good director. Simon Pegg's in it as well. He is. That's true. Yeah. 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 He's in. Yeah. I know. His, he's not in the trailer, but his role is quite prominent. Yeah. Okay. Which, which, which makes sense. I look at that trailer, I go, oh yeah, that would be a film Simon Pegg would be. He'd be all over that kind, oh, of, yeah. that kind of film. But no, for something, okay, something that is not trailer related. Mm-hmm. One of my more uh, anticipated films in the Star Wars saga, and something that I've been hoping for for a long time. Yeah. No, you know, scratch that, not I've been waiting for. Everyone. Everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. Is that we have an official production date mm-hmm. for the Obi-Wan spin-off. The start date is in January 2019. Is it sourced? Cool. Do we have a director? We do not have a director. We don't even have confirmation on screenplay. We don't even have a comment uh, on a confirmation on who will be playing Obi-Wan. I want to say right. it has like a, I want to say it has like a working title because it's not a working title like one of those secret I, I hear it's like I hear it's just called Kenobi at the moment. That's what well, yeah, that's what the film's probably be called but I mean like you know when you shoot and you... And oh, you they say name. With, yeah, like like I what I said with the... Um, yeah, yeah I want to say one of those has come out. It's like one tree or something weird like that. <laughs> like, okay, let's face it, okay? Ewan McGregor's going to come back. He is. Yeah, he, he is. He already has. Just then Force Awakens. He, he, he was so obsessed with Star Wars that when they were doing the lightsaber fights, he had to edit how him doing the lightsaber noises. He will well, come John back. Boyega. No, but he was in Force Awakens. So yeah. it's like he's already been back. Yeah. yeah. No, and the thing is, like he, like he said, he's going to stop saying it now because, like, it got to the point where people thought he was levying for it. But he, he was saying, "Gosh, like, if they want to do it, all they have to do is call me and give me a date." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you look at him in interviews, he's really smug. But so, so, so Obi Wan's a character. He's like, mm-hmm, "Yes, yeah. he is." <laughs> don't talk to me, please. Don't do this. Because <laughs> he's like, I never. I can't say look. anything. <laughs> she's just like, uh, to be honest though, like I imagine. Okay, they're in. T- I bet you they're in talks right now. It took some months, Come and then and then I bet you it's six months. We will have confirmation that he's in it. Well, I say around the time Solo comes out. Really? Mm-hmm. 
that would make like, sense. That's like, like, uh, that what's that like? Mm-hmm. I'm just really keen to see who they choose to direct it because I, I, I think they're probably going to choose someone who doesn't have a lot of big films out there. It's such oh, yeah. a cliche thing, and I expect you guys to give it such a glare, but fucking just, just because, give it to Mangold. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, now I know why you're saying yeah, this. Yeah, of course. No, because it, it needs to be that, a Logan. Be it needs to be Logan. But in Star Wars, but on a very basic level. Kenobi! Yeah. Sure, but I mean, like, even Star if you want the Star Wars tone, he directed 310 Yuma, which yeah. is a really fun movie. And you know what, I, like, this was something we pitched constantly mm-hmm. together, like, okay, what would this look like? Yeah. And you would need to do, I was looking at um, Last Days in the Desert, I haven't yeah, watched the, it. The, the Jesus film, The in. Jesus film where he played well, Satan. The it's imagery is mm. literally perfect. It's, you know? it's gorgeous. Did you see that trailer, that fake trailer someone made? With that has, that has like, like a... Yeah, Liam Neeson in it. And it's with that... Oh yeah, and he's like... Um, it's like and he's talking about... Because obviously Obi-Wan in this movie... PTSD. Needs well. to deal with PTSD. It needs... It, you need... I mean, obviously we don't know how like soon it will be after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, Revenge of the Sith, sorry. Yeah. So, so exactly, yeah. yeah. But it would need, need to be something incredible. Yeah, you need that kind of pain, that kind of... Yeah. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. he would be... Also, like, we would need to see... Like, obviously, it's one of the most more famous... It's not, like, a huge thing, but he has a cut on his arm. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see that having yeah, festered. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. From Attack of the Clones. Yeah. yeah. You would want to see that being festered. I, and I really, like, him dealing with that... Wound. I swear yeah. to God, if they take him off of Tatooine and make him go on lightsaber adventures, I'm gonna flip. It needs to be. St- it to needs to be quite grounded, I think. Yeah. No, I would say there can be spaceships, but he can't go into space. I yeah, no, it's going to be about him hiding out. There. Don't have him kill them. Have him just like sneak past them. Well, it's mm. going to be about him hiding out on Tatooine and how he's doing that. I, also, it need, I think to a degree, it has to be something about um, a, a, a sheriff who has given up his gun. And yeah. for him to have to pick it up once more. Would you want? Yeah. Would you want like a, like a like a little child Luke as a cameo, or like a kind of no? No, they fuck, they've already fucked that up in Rebels. But, the, but the they'll do line. that. They will do that. Oh yeah. god, yeah, they do it. I mean, no, but actually, they have Ben. Okay, maybe not show Luke, but because here's the thing. No, no the last one that I'm like have Lars because it's what was John Edgerton. Yeah, John Edgerton is huge now. Yeah, and he would come back as Lars. And I would like that because if you look at A New Hope. If you look at a New Hope person who loves a New Hope in this room... We did a podcast last week about how um, much I don't like a New Lars, Hope. if you listen, look at New Hope, it's like, oh, Obi-Wan's just a crazy old man. Mm. Yet in Revenge of the Sith, you see Obi-Wan literally give Luke to Lars. Mm. So which tells me... Something's happened. Yeah, like Obi-Wan's probably a bit too close to that farm. Mm. And Lars would be like, can you please piss off? Yeah. You know, you, you've all of you've this trouble. Well, there's a comic book, actually, where... He does say, haven't you killed enough Skywalkers? Exactly. And you know, I want to show that. Because if you could put Joel Edgerton and Ewan McGregor and you have that context, that would work really well. And they're both incredible actors. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's off topic, and I should be doing this mid-pod, but ain't that, ain't that a uh, news story? The Rock would like to kick <laughs> the Avengers' asses. Anyway. Well, wouldn't everybody... <laughs> Fuck you, Dan Stark. You know, the thing is, with... The idea of this Obi-Wan movie that really just intrigues me is the idea that it is... I feel like it is... Like, obviously, loads of people were looking forward to Force Awakens and loads of people looking forward to Obi-Wan, but there were some people who were... There were people everywhere that was hesitant. I think this movie could be the thing that everyone is like, it's one, yes. Yeah, it's one thing everyone's generally on board for. Like, it won't, like, make up for the prequels. We'll make it go, they, they weren't for nothing. Yeah, it's like, I think it's like... Everyone, no, not many people like the prequels, but Most ev- don't. yeah, you and us of yeah. this parish. Yes, but at, it's, at the same day, most people go, 
But Ewan McGregor mm. was good. Ewan McGregor mm. as young Alec Guinness was really solid. Yeah. And this, and then giving someone who has had a, just over a decade since the last time he did it yeah. to really hold, and he was fantastic anyway. Yeah. You know, to really hold his craft that little he bit. He's a great actor now. He was yeah. fantastic yeah. under a poor director. Yeah. That's how good he got this role. And then to get to get an actual amazing director who mm. understands that to have a cinematographer that Stanley understands character. how to shoot yeah. this scene. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the only time I've ever seen Ewan McGregor and not thought he was anyone but Ewan McGregor mm. is both of the Train Spotting movies. That's true. The rest of the time, it's just like Ewan McGregor is saying lines. Is Moulin Rouge? Yeah. But, oh, Ewan McGregor is here, do, doing some things. He was in Valiant and Robots. Can I mean, he's a fine actor, I just can never not see Ewan McGregor. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Except for those movies. Okay. I mean, it's like, whatever. I mean, like, that's, that might be a thing, though. Like, if you watch Star Wars, if you, when you see clips from the Star Wars, so you like, that's Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Really? That's, yeah. Okay. See, I, 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 I think he's just brilliant, so I'm just, like, I, I'm, for some reason, I've always been quite unattached to him in the sense of, like, oh, that's Ewan McGregor when I'm watching it, because... He has this really quite interesting way of acting where every single move is very understated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except except yeah. when he occasionally goes into the theatre way of acting. And for that reason, he's kind of he, he's kind of got his own way of acting. He brings it when he needs to. Yeah. But he's but that doesn't mean he's not trying every other moment. Oh, of yeah. course. And but... that's the thing is the fact that not many other actors do that. Mm-hmm. It's a real skill to be able to pull that one off. Like yeah, some, mo- most yeah. actors are either completely and utterly understated 24-7 or they're over the top, over the top and he has a really good it's, it's really good. yeah it's almost like that's what being an actor should be like. <laughs> no no that's the thing it's not it's not at all different actors have different style of performances mm. the Japanese style of acting if you look at any film by Akira Kurosawa and mm. right up till now their form of acting is much more expression they make much more outlandish gestures it's true and there are some Western actors that do that. You know, it depends on the actor themselves. Exactly. It's a craft. Everyone's got their own. Exactly. So to, I don't see. I think this is one of the biggest misunderstandings of acting is the fact that there are so many different styles. Method acting is a style sure. of preparation. I just, I would value someone with like a, a good range mm-hmm. more. That's the thing. Like, there's, there's, there's another term that people seemingly, in my opinion, don't use correctly. Mm. Range is not a range. In style, it is a range in ability. I know, I was just using the word range for its like arbitrary meaning, like unrelated to acting specifically. Okay. I mean, I I always try to look at it in kind of like a genre sense. Like, if someone can do comedy, they can do drama really well. Yeah. Yeah. Take Michael Keaton and Batman to something like Beetlejuice. Take something like Jim Carrey, anything he's in to like his, to like Eternal Sunshine. God, he's good in that movie. Exactly. Like, like range is, is what you can do, what you can't do. Like, Tom Cruise does his like comedies. But then he also does, like, he's done dramas. Yeah. So it's like, it's yeah. more like not pigeonholing yourself into one specific kind of... Sure, I mean, like... so intriguing about Ewan McGregor is the fact that he, he's done things like Trainspotting, which mm-hmm. are these kind of black comedies. Yeah. And he's then done films like Moulin Rouge. He's done films like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And, you know, like, say what you want about the remake, but he was fantastic as Linear. Mm-hmm. That was... Brilliant. I low-key still wish that was Sasha Baron Cohen, but I'll make do. <laughs> no, you have Sweeney Todd and Lemmy's Logan. That's true. Like, he's in Big Fish. Big Fish, he's great in Big Fish. Sasha Baron Cohen is in Big Fish. Ewan no, McGregor's in Big Fish. <laughs> what, what else has happened? Um, uh, 
I don't. 74 billion! Oh, by the way, just very quickly, I just want to say, if you want a really great Ewan McGregor movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Also, Summer Fishing in the Yemen is quite good fun. Yeah, that is good, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Fox and Disney, back at it again. Scree. Okay, so it's now... It's gone up. It's... Yep, so it was 60 billion. It's now gone up to 74. Mm -hmm. And they have apparently reached the... Fine print stage. Yeah, they have to call their lawyers in. It's, it's getting to the point where the, it's just people exchanging inordinate amounts of money that none but them will like ever see or be able to like imagine you how can't much it is. Spend that money and in your lifetime. I, I, I know. Seen, have you, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever got like a thousand pounds out and you've actually held like a thousand pounds? I've not. I can happily say no. Okay, it's heavy. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really heavy. Like you, you put it in a jacket pocket, you feel it. it you feel yeah. it, and you're like, this is actually weighing me down. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and then think about getting two thousand, three thousand, four thousand. Uh, I'm, I'm already like I can't picture that much money. Yeah, you go one million, ten and, million, and then we're not even like at one percent. Have you ever stolen sixty-four thousand pounds from your drug addict friends from a London hotel room? Never. <laughs> 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 No, but the thing is, though, it's like 74 billion. Just to put that into context, that is more than what most charities get yeah. in a year. The dinosaurs <laughs> went extinct 65 Don't say million that. years ago. You could think Bob Iger could literally cure cancer if he wanted. 65 nah. million years ago. You know how old, like, one year, you know how long that is? Yeah. 65 million of those, we had yeah. dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, like, what, like, one dollar per... Oh, dear... What we should do is we should get a roll of toilet paper oh, and write right, little um, dashes on it for the amount of, for every dollar they're spending. The thing is, though, that is not even for the entirety of Fox. Yeah, it's just for their assets. Yeah. yeah. It's just for their film and TV assets, which they may... And me and Logan were talking about this. I don't mind them owning X-Men, provided... Fox have it too. Mm-hmm. So they have their own version of the X-Men and then Fox have theirs. The I do, I mean, that would just really contribute to my superhero fatigue. The audience, like, I mean, it would. It would but but I, I, can ignore one, I can ignore one of them and keep the info. Yeah. The audience are intuitive. That wouldn't confuse anyone. Actually, I hate... I, it sounds like I'm backtracking and I'm so, so sorry. Did any of you see that Spider-Man trailer yesterday? No. The, the animated one? No, I saw it, but no, I didn't watch it. It's by Lord and Miller. Um, no. I'd like you guys to tell me what you think when you see it. It looks weird. Well, they're, they're very off the wall filmmakers. Miles, Miles, Miles. Yeah, and just the animation style they've chosen looks really strange. So it's whatever. That's Sony's theatrical release, nothing to do with the MCU kind of going. Yeah, I mean. So they are, they're doing that. They're making their own movies and then having him in the MCU. And just, it's going it's to get to the point where it's like, I don't Venom's want doing one that. studio making all of the big blockbuster movies. Mm. You know? Yeah, you don't want a monopoly. Yeah, yeah, because that's just it, bad for consumers. It kills creativity, I think. Because you, yeah. com- you need competition so everyone strives to get better. You don't want anyone to become competitive. Yes, that, that is being um, customer-friendly. Because yeah. the people giving them money. Because if Disney has everything, they'll go, oh, you want us to accept it because that's all they've got. Yeah, and they'll become complacent. That's the thing, even if Disney do get... You see, that to me is um, everything that's wrong with where how most people in the West assimilate media. Mm. Mm. There will always be options to you out there. Mm-hmm. You will just not go looking for yeah. them too much. Yeah, like, you know me, I love a good art house movie. And yeah. I love, f- like, foreign yeah, films as well. But... There is Stop a strong line. market for American Hollywood films. That's a very distinct it's thing. Been there. If you yeah, want to go looking for that thing, and there are times when I do, mm-hmm. I don't want just one person making that. Mm-hmm. I know, but at the same point, like obviously, I I do not want Disney owning everything. 
yeah. because Disney are not a very friendly company in the sense of how they treat their creatives. But you, you need an anecdote to prove what you're saying right now. Stuart Gordon, who made Reanimation from Beyond, wrote Honey, I Shrunk well, the Kids. Well, you know what? You, you don't even... All right, well, if you want one of the anecdotes, you can just look at how Joss Whedon was treated. Yeah, exactly. But, like, he... The reason he didn't direct Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as well is because he got a nosebleed talking to the Disney suits in the offices. Oh. Well, even the people behind... Okay, like, but why, was he, why did he get a nosebleed, though? Because yes. he just couldn't deal with these smug fucks trying to okay, talk Okay, is numbers. that what the rumour is or what the, or what the truth is? That's basically... Well... Oh, okay, you can never really know what the truth is. This is all we have. I know, because that's what I'm saying. Like, you can get a nosebleed for any amount of reasons. Well, we, I know what I I'm know. Stress and temperature. Well, it's like, I, I know Joss Whedon didn't cho- chose not to direct Infinity War because of how they were treating uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Because of yeah. what they were they were making him better. Like, I know the kind of guy and creator that Stuart Gordon is. Yes. You know, and. I know the kind of company that Disney well, is. No, they made they made a whole movie about how Disney fucks over people. Look at Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's literally. But that is actual physical Disney as a person. Yeah, yeah but it just shows like the, the mentality as a whole. You know, mm. it's all business. And if it is business is made by one person, then the buzz of the business will be active. Oh, thank you. And again, like if you look at the, has anyone of you seen Treasure Planet? Yes. Awful film. But that's not the point. The people, behind, like it. Like the people behind Treasure Planet, they, well, they, they pitched that film in 1985. Yes. It came out in 2002. That's true. They wanted to make it for 20 years, and they had a really detailed pitch, and every time they went to them, they said, no, do, do this, do give, this is, this, is, this, is a, this is what we're making, make this, make this, make this. And these films are like Little Mermaid, what else was it? Was um, it Alex Kurtzman and Jerry, uh, not Alex Kurtzman. Jeffrey Katzenberg and Alex, uh, someone else. Hunched back and Notch Down made Hercules. Yeah. All these films that were hit and miss. And, and the, but they made them because they, they, the kept, they made a lot of money. They made, a lot of films made a lot of money. They needed that reputation. And Disney were like, you know what? The, Disney knew that these people made gang bucks amount, amounts of money, like mm-hmm. fuck tons. So they, they wanted to use them for the films they wanted to make. Exactly. So it took them like nearly 20 they were like, years. You can make Treasure Planet if you do this first. Oh no, you can make Treasure Planet if you do Hercules. Uh, Treasure yeah. Planet sounds stupid. Make this. But you know what's... Yeah. You know, actually, the one thing that really, really pisses me off at Disney, and it's actually one of the... And it's actually why I... Whenever I went... Whenever I go anywhere now that's linked to anything creative because I always read the fine print on anything that I sign mm-hmm. yeah. is that that's any exactly. idea you come up with while working at Disney is the There's, property of Disney, Disney yeah. mm. so the rights like immediately yeah. any, any script any, any yeah. concept any mm-hmm. treatment like is Pixar. owned by them yeah I mean if you just look at the way sort of Tim Burton was treated when he was working at yeah. Disney as an animator yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not it's I mean, not he had to make a film without telling his Bosses. Yeah. <laughs> and they realised they couldn't sell this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when you have to make a film literally behind your entire boss's back. I mean, that, that must be studio money. <laughs> um, which film was this? Frank and Weaver, oh, the first one. It's short, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, that's how bad it is. Wow. Yeah. And to be creative behind my entire department's back, stealing office supplies to make this movie. Because I'm not getting creative, like, I'm not getting my creative outlet working for you guys. Mm. I just, I mean, to go back on topic, what's most likely, if they are at the fine print stage, Mm -hmm. if like the report is suggesting, the bankers and the lawyers, the bankers, the lawyers, the people that will literally just go, 
Yeah, this is legal. The people mm-hmm. who I wouldn't talk to at parties because they look boring. Yeah, yeah, those people. The, people, that, yeah. the people that we wanted to get away from when we went to a creative arts university. Yeah. It's all like who's going where. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's well, it, it, no, of course it's going to happen. They said no, the, announcement happen. They said the announcement's going to happen before Christmas. I just don't want the Alien franchise and the Simpsons under the Disney roof. Like, it'd be like Touchstone or whatever. Could, could you imagine Disney it's doing funny. an Alien movie? No. Yeah. And yeah. they're working on the like it's the too covenant, risky for them. They're working too on the, they're working on the Covenant two script, but like it won't even reach production stage then. But even even Aliens, the most mainstream alien movie, would not happen. Is it's too edgy for Disney? Mm-hmm. Like any Disney. I'd film argue movie. The Simpsons is too edgy for Disney. I would argue that too. So it's like that's gonna get. They, they were like the epitome you know, of counting cards. Oh, no, I don't think no, so. it's like Simpsons were like the epitome of counterculture for a while, you know? I mean, it's on season like 26, season 30, and everyone, nobody's watching it. But when they order a new season, they'll order like three new seasons in a row. So mm. we're like, okay, one order will get you like four more years of Simpsons. That's how that runs. And I don't think it is cancelled, but like... I heard it was cancelled. Yeah, I mean, that might just be because no one watches it anymore. No, I think they're just taking... No, they're just taking like a year off, but no, it's not cancelled. Mm-hmm. But like... No, but fuck, but like Disney will cancel The Simpsons because nobody's watching it. And yeah, like sure, it's a dead horse and nobody's watching it to begin and it, with. And it's not even that good. But at just like point, no, yeah. but yeah, sure, but just on a conceptual level, I don't want these assets being put in the command of these people who think more about money than about actual like you know the product itself. That's a detriment to me. Like sure, Terminator hasn't been good since nineteen ninety one. I ain't gonna say that anything else. But like, I don't want that under Disney. I, I can't do anything under Disney, personally. I mean, I kind of like Tim Minutes Salvation. I mean, I, I don't mind... Disney have given what something to the industry. You know, obviously, like, yeah. there's a reason why... Um, like, you can ask any person, what's your favourite Disney movie? And it doesn't matter no, what your answer is. Like, yeah. I could, you, there, are plenty of, there are plenty of guys out there that will go, I actually really fucking love The Little Mermaid. Yeah, I mean, you Beauty and the Beast, the animated yeah. film, was one of the I mean, best films I've ever Pulp Fiction was made under a Disney subsidiary. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say, because that gives, that gives Disney Avatar. Yeah. Oh, God, they, they have Fight Club now. Avatar 2 and 3. Avatar 2 and 3 are shooting. It gives Disney Planet of the Apes. Oh, wow. That's the thing. Mm. Uh, give Disney stuff. To be fair, they might not be sending the whole thing. They might say you can have this, have this, have this. Yeah, you can't have this. Yeah, Disney wouldn't have made the Last Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh no, no, not at all. I'm just looking. I'm just looking here. It would be more in line with something like mm. Star Wars if they. Yeah, the, the, and Fox have been really great at giving us like f- films that other people wouldn't like. Yes. Birdman. Yeah, Five Hundred Days of Summer's one. Yeah, you know. I mean that was by Spotlight, wasn't it? Or Searchlight? Yeah, so. by Fox Searchlight. Yeah, and uh, Taken. I don't. Disney taken. just want to do it. They have Fight Club now. They have Fight Club. They have Alvin and the Chipmunks now. <laughs> well, that's that. That feels like a Disney. Wall movie Street. They get Wall Street. They'll get Narnia. I think they did anyway. But Who like, wants a Wall Street reboot for the second yeah, time? They had no, they had the third Narnia, but now they have the entire like. Well, because obviously they about that they are there. Oh yes, yes. There's no going to lose. Yes, Joe Johnson has said that the Silver Chair will be his last movie. Mm-hmm. He did say that, and I love. I think Joe Johnson's jo- a really underrated. Joe character. Johnson, brother of Boris Johnson, Joe Johnson, constituent of Orpington. Joe Johnson is in Jurassic Park Three, The Rocketeer. Oh, I'm joking with you. Captain America. I'm joking with you. Do. Um, special effects for Return of the Jedi. That Joe Johnson. Do you know who else was special effects for Return of the Jedi? David. David, David Fincher. Fincher. That's cool. Mm. They get Chronicle, yay! <laughs> Maybe you're finally get that sequel. They get Die Hard. 
Yeah. Good days die hard. Fox, Lester Fox turns actually Fox turns. Oh yeah, they did. They? So there's that. Percy Jackson. All the stuff. All the stuff. Oh, that well, that third movie's never gonna happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get. Kingsman? They get the pyramid. They what? get Kingsman. Disney wouldn't touch Kingsman mm-hmm. with a ten foot pole. They would touch Paper Towns. Get ready for Paper Towns too, everybody. Oh, tell me that. Right? Assassin's Creed. So they get Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> So there we go. That I knew. And then Murder on, and then whatever Murder series. I mean, like, okay, can you scroll down please see what the upcoming films are? Oh, sure. technically get. Yeah. Ferdinand Fank. <laughs> Predator. That's the, what, Shane Black's Predator. Yeah. You know. Oh, this, is all, this is all stuff that's already made that would be distributed by them, you know, now. So, you know, the X-Men, the Human Reality, yeah, all the stuff, Gambit, well, that starts shooting, that's what's shooting in, like, February. That's six. actually happening, I find it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's filming in March. Uh, sixth Terminator film, which is by uh, Did You Make Deadpool? What's the Tim Miller? Oh my god, to get the Avatar films. What? Yeah, and a Bob's Burgers movie, because that needs to exist. But the point is, I wouldn't put any of these franchises under Disney. None of them. Yeah. Not a single one. So you mean they can have Paper Towns? Nobody can have Paper Towns. Paper Towns is a guy. <laughs> but it's like... It's, 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 I just don't want... I don't want this monopoly because, like we said, it takes away creativity and it's it's not taking risks. And I always found, at least, it, Fox for me has always been a studio that has taken risks. You know, they sure they cancelled Firefly, but they made Serenity. You know, they will do, they will, they will go that extra mile if they want to. They're notorious for yeah. cancelling franchises and cancelling TV shows, but they will make those franchises and TV shows to begin with. That's know? true. Like in happy news, something I'm really, really happy about. Yeah. Um, Greta Gerwig's upcoming directorial debut, mm. which is a film that probably would be on very few people's radar if this wasn't oh, Lady a Bird. thing. Lady, Lady Bird, Bird. Yeah. starring Ceci Ronan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love her. She's really great. It's set a record as Rotten Tomatoes' yeah, best reviewed film ever. Since, since, since Toy Story 2. Yeah. 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 I, I actually watched the film with. So, 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 how'd you say Ceci Ronan. Ceci Ronan. called Byzantium. I've heard that's fantastic. And it's not like amazing, but you've got um, what's her name? Gemma Arterson. Yes, Bond. Only Bond girl never slept with Bond. Well, one of them. I think. Yeah, I think she's the only one. Um, Is she a Bond girl? If you, if depending on if you, yeah, Quantum of Solace. Oh, oh, she's the only one again, that doesn't stick with Bond. I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> she's the one but... that gets like oil pumped into her stomach and shit like that, yeah. like all covered in oil. In the hotel, yeah. and it's like an arc and back to Goldeneye. The Antium 2012 hour show. It's Goldfinger. Oh, yeah, Goldfinger. Oh, no. shit! No! <laughs> I'm still. Was Liam just schooled on a punt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm in the room. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, I have a friend called Millie who loves Byzantium. It's it's really. It, there's Actually, Johnny B. Miller was in it. Mm. Yeah. And. God, he's a fucking cunt. Like. Uh, <laughs> Has he not? Do you want to bleep that? Because that's a strong word. Dude. Fuck is cool. I do not give a fuck that's, about that's strong fine. fucking words. That's fine, but that one's... You cunt. <laughs> no, he is. No, he is. Like... Logan or Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> no, he... No, like... No, but in the like in real life he's brilliant. But like I yeah. follow him on my, uh, on Instagram. But um, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. But um, like I mean, yeah. Social media is apparently real life now. But anyway, um, in that movie, God, he plays a like a naval like officer. Mm. Yeah, and like oh, God, yeah. like like if you've got the film in front of you, like you could read the plot and you're just like, oh, yeah. But um, Cersei Ronan's in this fantastic mm. movie called Lost River, directed mm. and written by Ryan Gosling. 
Oh. It got panned when it came out, and my th- I think that's just because Ryan Gosling is an easy target, you know? Yeah. Especially in those days, he hadn't really found the success he has now. In the 21st century, Eleanor falls in love with Frank and decides to help him turn into a vampire so they could be together. That sounds like something else I know! No, no, it's, that's the only, like, derivative thing okay. about it. Okay. That's literally the only derivative. Yeah. But I don't know, I think if you want to watch... It has Matt Smith as this horrible person, Lost River. Yeah. Doctor Who. Like... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Great, he plays a fucking skinhead who wears a fishnet vest. Oh. David, what, Matt, Matt, Smith? Matt Smith? Matt Smith. Ooh. Matt Smith doesn't do a lot, really. Well, yeah, but... He plays in The Crown, though, he plays Prince Philip. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't go at that. But yeah, no, I, I highly recommend Lost River. And I'm really excited for Ladybug, so I love the trailer. I think Greta Gerwig is a gift to people, mm. you know. Um, she was in Jackie in 20, 20th mm. Century Women this year, mm-hmm. and she's great in both of them. Who was she in Jackie? She was um, Jackie's, like, friend. She's the one who, like, reminds her to smile. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, yeah. yeah, your husband just died, but smile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, she's... Um, I'm a huge fan of Greta Gerwig, and I've been excited for Ladybird for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my only reservation is this thing that Nick Reffin once said, mm-hmm. which is, um, if everyone can agree on a film, then it hasn't really cut deep enough. I like that. Oh, I like that's that good. A lot. That's, then, mm. I really like. like that. I, what do you say about Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Because that's like there are a lot of people who really don't like that movie though. Really, I've not met a single person that's watched it that didn't like it. Well, I've never seen it. No, it's done really well in the UK. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I just need a moment. Like, <laughs> you know what? I kind of forgot about like how poorly that did in the box office. Yeah. And now I just cleaned back up and I'm like, oh. Oh no. Do you want to bring up some specifics? <laughs> oh no! Oh, go on, tell me. Okay, <laughs> a, budget, a budget of 185 million. Okay. And we made 256.8. Oh, good lord. Which isn't even like double. You need to make double to get your money back, really. Yeah. And it bombed in China, which is I'm not good. good. I'm going to do some math here just to add insult to injury. Oh god. 256.8 minus. The thing is, it was so good, it was so beautiful. Okay, the, 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 the difference. The deficit of 71.8 million. The difference in budget to what it made is like 71.8 million. Yeah, that's not going crazy. That's fucking really nothing! That's, 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 that's the worth of all of Fox's assets. <laughs> <laughs> what, a million? Billion. Yeah, yeah, a million. Million. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's sorry, like, that's like I had a couple of zeros. That's like the budget of a whole other film. That's all. Yeah. That's all it made. I, I, I just. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. I can. You know what I can say to that is that the first film did not do very well. Um, Twenty years. For, yeah, yeah. And, like it's only really like in the last sort of, like. Five that's why it's saying there's time to get a sequel. Yeah. But I think that's good. Like, I if, if I have to wait like another like 20, 30 years for like Blade Runner sixty nine or whatever, like fine. I think that's already on the internet, mate. Like I don't know. Like I'd rather have a film that didn't get a lot of money but exists as a really good movie yeah you know, mediocre piece of trash that everyone saw yeah, yeah. yeah that's in, a, in, a, in a way of justice and yeah. crit on the that's art how I feel. that's how I feel as it's, well. it's worth it yeah. sure like, like the studios won't see that but like as a, as a viewer I appreciate yeah, it yeah no, we just had the um, LA Film Critics Circle Awards yeah. okay. in the build up to the Oscars um, I can't remember all of them, but uh, Sally Hawkins was either a runner-up or one for The Shape of Water. I really like her. I really like her. She's great in Paddington. That's another film I saw this week, what Paddington. What was she, she was like a crazy person who paints? Oh, uh, with Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Oh, uh, 
Ma- Maggie? Not Maggie. That's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually really kind of strangely entertaining. That's like, like animals. Animal. No, that's, no, that's zombies. She plays a real life painter in that. Yeah, yeah, it's a true story and they fell in love with and, and it is just a one name that I'm begins gonna... with M. Maud. Maud. Maudie. Maudie, yeah. And yeah. Ethan Hawke plays a horrible sexist, but you fall in love with him anyway. Because it's Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's Ethan Hawke. To be honest, every time I see Ethan Hawke, I just see his character. This is the before trilogy. We've recorded two podcasts, and both of them we've just gushed about how lovely Ethan Hawke is. I love it. <laughs> love that man. No, the, the man, the director of Horny, has some mental eyebrows. Let me see. Sorry, that's rude. It's rude to say on the pod, but what the fuck? Hey, it's a bit intimidating. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, let's, okay, let's go away from the news. Uh, uh, let's go away from the news. Shall um, we... Perfectly. Oh. Mima was a pop star. This is Mima's last performance with Cham. Who desired to become an actress. I really hope that I can entertain you just the same as an actress. But sometimes, aspirations can be deadly. In the world of make-believe. This is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame. Perfect blue. Okay, can I just... Perfect blue. <clears throat> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I've seen some pretty weird movies. Perfect blue is high up there. I'd yeah. say it is pretty top three in terms I mean, of weirdness. I, I enjoy my surrealism, but... I mean, you know what me, it, I you know what it was. You know what's quite strange about it, actually? Is like, obviously, there are loads of films out there that are like kind of surrealist, and you're, kind of like, you're not quite sure... Yeah, they always have a resolution where you're like, okay, I get it. Mm. <laughs> Perfect blue, you're like, you're, you're, I was just there, like, okay, I guess that was the movie. I mean, yeah. you, you think you know what's happening, and then, no, yeah, you know, yeah, about like, four times, and then, yeah. they, they do it again, right at the end. You know what it is? It's like, we were constantly going, oh, I get it now. No, we don't. And then, and then, then another <laughs> scene would happen and be like, what? I mean, I found that quite entertaining. Yeah. As well as, as a, frustrating. As a, as a, like as a, uh, as like a communal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like everyone going, oh, I get it, I get it. No, we don't. And then, and then we'll be like, and two minutes later, and we'll be like, and I'll just be looking to you and going, do you get that, James? And you'll just be looking at me going, no. <laughs> like, oh, that's good. I don't either. <laughs> and we just watch it again and we're like, I'm not stupid. The film, the film. But this, but this isn't like <laughs> killing of a sacred deal. It's like, what the fuck, <laughs> in a frustrating Sorry. way. What? This is like, what the fuck, but I, it's really well made and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's so well made. It's so interesting. You can't... It's one of those things that you don't understand what's happening, but you can't take your eyes off it. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah, so it's, I mean... It's, looks visually, it's, it's visually really, really interesting. There's a lot of good metaphors here. Mm. But, like, if I'm trying to think about you too much, I will get a headache. Sure. I mean, it kind of reminded me of Seven in the way that it's, like, a, a standard mystery premise that's elevated by a particular vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it did feel like that. Even though it's like based off a book. It's like based a off a manga. It's, no, it's based off a book, not a manga. Even though it's based off a book, it did feel like an Artors film. Sure. I mean, it was going to be live action, but the director yeah. works primarily in anime. Mm-hmm. When I was telling a film, a, a, a film, when I was telling a friend about the fact that I'd seen this, he lent me a box set of um, a, an anime TV series the director did. Okay. Uh, called Paranoia Agent. And I watched a couple of episodes and it's really good. It's not as weird, but it has that... Still, sense of it's like, it's like slow. it has that same like dyspeptic worldview. Okay, it's perfect blue, mm-hmm. um, and it's also quite strange. Okay, so it's it's, it's clearly a thing with the author here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's a bit, I, he strikes me as like a bit of a Japanese David Lynch or Darren Aronofsky. Okay, just people who like 
challenging the form. Okay, okay. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily something I'm ever going to see again in my life, but it's no. not something I regret seeing. I probably will see it again. Just so I, I feel like it's a film that will benefit no, from repeat watches. They, they, they did make it in live action in the early 2000s as a TV show, right? Might did they? Yeah, I might be interested in seeing that. Go see that. I might, enjoy, I might be interested in seeing Japanese that. Or yeah, I think so. Okay. But cool. like, I, might be, I might be interested in seeing that. Japanese, Japanese Korean TV series are I mean, like, good luck getting a, a hold of a copy of it, I think. Like, Unless, might be online. Oh, there's anything online, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any Wi-Fi where I live, so not, not, no, it's a no for me. <laughs> it's <laughs> a no for me. One of, the really, one of the most interesting elements of the film for me, though, was just, like, how unrelenting it was. Yeah, mm. it, did not, it did not give a fuck what you thought, audience. Yeah, yeah no, like, I really respect that. Yeah, yeah no, it was very much... Wasn't holding anything back. It was there, it was visceral, it was in front of you, and you dealt with it. It was graphic, it was quick, it was slow, it was everything. Mm. It, was, it was everything pushed into one thing, mm-hmm. and it, you were just told to live with it. But it wasn't even mm. trying to shock you, necessarily. It was yeah. just being like, this is me, take it or leave this it. Is, this is it. Yeah, like, there yeah. is a very, very shocking scene of simulation of rape. Mm. But and that is shocking, but it's not... dialogue first. Yeah, and, but it's not there in order to be graphic. It's there for a story context. purpose. Context, yeah. And it's also done in a way in which you're kind of like, well, that's what happens. Yeah. yeah it, I, you know, it's... I personally feel like some of the shots they got was a little bit gratuitous. I mean, when you're, when you're doing animation, you don't have to get these shots. You're choosing yeah. to draw this. Mm. And you spent... It's more than that. You spend so much time drawing it. Yes. We, I said this when we were watching it. Can we not repeat this? No, we, no we're not going to, but that's what I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, I felt like it could have been... It was weird the angles they chose. Sure. I just think. Contextually, given that it's animation and what the scene was, like the like the cinematography in that scene in particular goes all over the place. Mm. Unlike any of the other scenes, where it's pretty traditional. Yes. You know, so that that struck me as weird. I don't know if that was a big like metaphor or what, but it was something that I noticed. Sure. It really reminds me of like a kind of animation in the seventies more than the nineties when it was made. Mm. Like I feel no, it was made in the seventies. It wasn't in the nineties. It gives um, me a real Akira vibe, or like a Ghost yeah, in the Shell vibe. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, like kind of classic kind of anime vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, more like and it's also in the animation style. It feels like it came out of the seventies. Yeah, it's I would have said, of, said like mid eighties. It's got like that kind of grip to it. Are you sure? We googled this on the day. 1997. Yeah, oh, 20. Oh. It got a 20th year re-release. That's why we're doing it, Logan. And then it says here in United Kingdom, 99. So oh. there that is. Oh. Okay. Same year as Fight Club. Oh my god. You know, I, I don't know if I'd watch it again, but it would be fun. What? I think it's a great party film. If no, it's yeah, no, anything but a party. No, what I'm saying is that if you have like loads of people over, like if, imagine if you guys all drank and had a house party and they slept over. And the next day, you want them to kind of leave. <laughs> that's, that, no, no, no. I, I tell you also that. If you want to get, like, drunk and stoned and, <laughs> and watch a movie that will be entertaining when you're drunk and stoned, and watch what's going Perfect on. Blue is good for like, that. What's going on? I don't know, but it looks pretty. Yeah, yeah, but it's also, like, drunk people react to fucked up movies the best way. Sure. Yeah. I, I can see that. I mean, it's, it's a social experiment movie for me. It's what <laughs> I just, I'm just like, hey, watch this. You, you, watch you'll this. get a good measure of what a person's like showing them <laughs> like, this film. Yeah, <laughs> Like Ewan when he was watching this movie. <laughs> oh, bless poor, Ewan. poor, poor Boo. <laughs> he the guy who was just squirming the whole time we were watching Killing of a Sacred Deer. He couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh, God! Yeah. I mean, you actually... Have... I love you, Ewan, but oh my God, watching films with you is the best. <laughs> Never change, Ewan. <laughs> Ready? Camera has and action! 
What line? What did line? I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Okay. <laughs> okay, and now this is the time when I actually don't have anything that I can really say. I don't I've care. I've been asked questions. I don't care. Sure. I'll do it. Oh, oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> the disaster artist. It's not true. It's not in her. It's bullshit. Oh, it hi, Mark. Is really, really... I'm going to try and discuss this movie without... Gushing? Without, like no, a teenage no, girl? Without divulging into memes. It's going to be very hard for me. Yeah, we, I we, mean... We, how... Do you think it'd be likely to just start talking like Tommy was sold? That we was did do that right? pretty no. much the whole way home. No. Really? Okay. No. I'll do it. I don't okay. care. <laughs> don't do it. I don't, don't care. Don't touch me, motherfucker. <laughs> no, but genuinely speaking, this film, for like, was it an independently done or just distributed? It's distributed or? by A24, who okay. are pretty indie. Okay. Yeah, and I thought I got that from the cinematography and, and everything. Yeah, it's a 20th Century Fox movie. I mean, James Franco yeah. has a lot of friends. So no, sorry, it's so a Warner can, Brothers movie. So you can easily get Fox. big names. Yes. So it's like whatever. Like Judd Apatow's and the... You know, Seth Rogen's and... J.J. Abrams has a cameo. J.J. Abrams has a cameo. My <laughs> Brian Cranston is in the movie. Yeah, he's a major plot point in the movie. Oh. Actually, I've got a new criticism, actually, since, since we spoke about it. Okay. The character of Amber... Yeah. Did you just if you on reflection, what does she really serve to the movie other than Tommy's jealousy aside? Her as a person is she not just the girlfriend? I. She's in a way of, she she's is just kind of there. But she's it, it. It is a bit of a problem that like most of the female characters are just like motivating factors for the men. Mm, I don't know. I got I got a lot more from the the actress who plays Juliet Daniels than I did the actress who plays. Uh, like Lisa, Lisa for context. Yeah, I, I knew that. Then Amber. So it's yeah. just, I felt like this is Alison Brie. Alison Brie is usually pretty, pretty good. Yeah, she's she's really great in Glow on Netflix. Yeah. So I'm just like, you're here, but I don't feel like you, she's got nothing to work with. Yeah. A lot of the actors don't have that much to work with. But that's because it's not focused on these people. It's focused on great. It's a and film Tommy. about these people and like these two people specifically. The film works because of its laser focus on those two people. Mm-hmm. And my. God, does it work? I've seen like 76, 2017 movies. Mm-hmm. Disaster Artist in my top 15. I've only seen 40, this is ridiculous. Netflix helps. But you like, have Netflix? Yeah, but I don't have time. Oh, goodness. Also, um, Only Unlimited helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when I get home for Christmas, I'm just going to go down to a local Odeon and watch all the films I've missed. Oh, okay, exactly. Point is, like, I, I found the film so respectful and sincere. I thought it was well paced. I thought it was, I it, I it just the way it was shot didn't appeal to me personally. But I would say it was well shot. I I loved its cinematography. Yeah. I think James Franco really like, he's had some misses directorial wise, mm-hmm. but I think um, he directs this one really well. He got the uh, insanity of it all. You know, yeah, like the stress of being it's also what really well said. edited as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah. For me, like in my video I did about it, I was talking about how I didn't feel. I felt no one gave a bad performance. If anyone was forgettable, it's because they were written with not yeah. much to do. Even Judd Apatow was fucking brilliant. But the way they were directed and the way people were performed, it's acted mm. really, really Zac well. Efron has like two scenes, and he's yeah. great in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the thing. Zac Efron's kind of getting a career. Like he already had the career, but now he's going to be in like the Greatest Showman. Dude, Dirty Grandpa. So that's an a, that's a plus. <laughs> Dirty Grandpa. Have you seen Dirty Grandpa? I have not. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, that's one of the things I'm interested about with the great showman is to see him actually is to see Zach Efron actually just take on a yeah. role. Well, he, so he was in this movie by the guy who made The Butler. 
Okay. Um, I can't remember what the movie was called, but he's basically like. I remember one of the reviews said the point of this movie is basically to see people who you would never think would be in a movie like this doing fucked up things. I think it was probably like I don't want to give it too much credit. The Paperboy. I don't want to give it too much credit, but I want to say something like a uh, bad neighbors kind of gave him this career boost. Mm. Yeah. He showed him that he had he could do other things. Yeah. And just be like a pretty it's a, face. It's a very different performance in High School Musical. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The low greatest showman. I'm so excited for that. It was like Zendaya and, and Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And the, the person from the Simon, oh, Rebecca <laughs> Ferguson. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I would go with that. The woman from Mission Rogue, Impossible, yeah. Rogue Nation. Oh well, I haven't seen that, and I have been following the Snowman. You've seen, uh, you haven't seen Rogue Nation, but you've seen the Snowman. I haven't seen the Snowman, but I've been following it quite closely. Okay, okay. Mission Impossible, I could really like, take or leave. Uh, on the Disaster Artist, I want to see it again. I really want to see it again. Yeah, I probably won't be able to until it comes out on DVD. Yeah, but um, yeah. Just because it's not playing around it here anymore. It never felt like it was mocking Tommy. Ever. Tommy. Yeah, the film is very matter of fact. Like, it's not afraid to show him be monstrous. Well, it's because it's, like, produced and it was based on a book written by the best friend. So it's, yeah. like... Well, like, no, it's not afraid to... It doesn't say that outright he that he's a bad person, but it does show him as a bad person just in what happens. I don't even think he's a bad person. I think he's more selfish. He's inconsiderate. Is that not a bad person trait? I mean, I'm very inconsiderate. Well, I'm inclined to say no. Having your actors pass out because you're not paying for fans is is not great. <laughs> but like, I felt it was more a thing with him because they mentioned in the film that he had a crash. He was he was in a big accident, and that's what made him open his eyes to go. I'm going to chase my dream and make a film. Yeah. When they're sitting in his apartment, and it's, well, to be fair, it's knowing not, Tommy, no, who knows if that's true. No, but like, it's not blunt dialogue. But is it not an easy leap to say we've got a bit like? Some brain damage from that. It would not be. I mean, he certainly has mental health issues. Like, I, he strikes me as like just an incompetent sociopath. He's also got reality distortion field because he, he he's so convicted in what he's saying, and everyone kind of warps around what he's doing. Yeah. Like when he says something, people are like, "I mean, you're fucking wrong," but I'm going with it for some reason. Mm. You know, it's like the line about um, Cooper Hitchcock. Yeah. He says. Yeah. 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 But like it's, it's actually really emotionally done. Like the height of it in the mm. third act made me. I was with you, so I didn't. Mm. Hashtag macho man. No, I, I was welling up. I was gonna cry, and it made me feel like such a shithead because, of course, the room is Tommy Wiseau's big drama, the passion. I of mean, Tennessee like Williams. the thing is, like he's a terrible person, but the film makes you care about him and root for him mm. all the same. Mm. And then in the end, it shows people reacting to the room, how we react to the room, how do, hilarious do you, it is. Do you think that um, obviously one of those reasons is the fact that we know what it's like to be on a set? Yes, we, we know. We know what it's like. To hold a camera, we know the yeah. stress, the pressure you put yourselves under every time you do something like, like that. There's this great video by Dan Olsen, mm. who has a fantastic YouTube channel called Folding Ideas. Um, and he did a video about the disaster artist where he was like, the moment with the air conditioning brought back memories to experiences he had on horrible sets mm. with in- inexperienced, incompetent directors right. and producers. Mm. Like, someone didn't give them food, but got someone to make them sandwiches incompetently. So like, so so he'd chop up the tomatoes on a chopping board, and then on the same chopping board without washing it, put down the bread, so you get soggy bread <laughs> and tomato juice, and then just <laughs> give that back to them. Oh, I love it. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. You know, there are some people in this world that generally don't know how they survive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I worked with some on films, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
that's the thing though. Like, do you think maybe that's why you would, you had such an emotional response? Because you know, like the stress pressure Tommy had really put himself under making that. Maybe, film. maybe, but it, it says so much. It's, it says so much about vision, and I think it's more. I think you don't have to apply it to film. You can apply it to absolutely anything. It's a film about drive to me. Have, if you have a passion, if you have an idea, if you have a vision, it shows him by hook or by crook getting it made, getting mm. it done, and getting it The finished. film respects that, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. I respect that before I saw the movie. And it does a really... Again, he is a strange man. Can't act like he's not. But it does do a really nice tribute to him before the credits start. It shows a bunch of footage of him that has some text go up on the screen. Yeah. And what I said in my, in my videos... I, I'm not trying to keep plugging that. It says on both... It does both sides well. It does, Hey guys, nudge nudge, isn't the room hilarious? And how stupid it is? And it does that well. And you go, oh my god, this is hilarious because this is so bad. But it also at the same time makes you go, Tommy had a vision and he, and, and he achieved that. And it makes you really respect that. So it plays to both crowds. It respects Tommy whilst mocking him at the same time. Mm. You know, it, but it doesn't feel imbalanced. And that's what impressed me the most. That sure. captured both kind of audiences. That's the thing he recently did finally come out and say that I'm not, you know, I'm not an American guy. Maybe that's who, who's a vampire, possibly. Yes. But um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's one. Um, but I, th- I think he might just say that because people know from the documentary about him. But he tried to sue the release of it, and now it's out. Yeah, but now people know, so why bother hiding it? I think you know what I think because he announced it on it was either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. I was getting too confused. Jimmy Fallon. Um, and that's like he was on arguably America's biggest talk show first time yeah. <laughs> I bet he thought to himself okay if I if I say something here that will be like the first yes. time it it will mean that my appearance on this was for something yeah, that's right. why I think it's, no, but it's funny because if you had to, did you watch that video yeah, I did. The funny thing is, like, he says it, and then and the then, audience, no, the audience just kind of brushes it off, and they're like, okay, okay, okay. And James Franco's like, whoa! I just made a movie with this man. This is the first time you're saying this. Like, this is a yeah. breaking story. And everyone's just like, what? Because <laughs> it's clearly that he's not American. Yeah. <laughs> James Franco's freaking out because it's him saying it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's he's like, like I've, I've asked you this. You know, you've. New New Orleans. Orleans. He's like, yeah, that's where I grew up. I was born in I was born in Europe, but like American now. Okay. I'm an American now. Okay. Whatever. I mean, I I was saying this to you when we were on the way home. Uh, part of me goes maybe this film was
pressed together for days with nothing in common but the need to go from one place to another and never see each other again. I see evil on this train. A passenger has... No, I... No, and who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot. <laughs> I am probably the greatest detective in the world. Not too modest. Evil. Not too modest. Um, but you he know doesn't what? slay the lions. It's a good comparison piece to say what you thought about the film. What were your guys' expectations for the film? Because personally, yeah. myself, it was one of my most anticipated films of 2017. I wasn't like hugely like, oh my god, this movie. See, but I was. I was very much like, first off, fucking love Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. as an actor and a director. director. Yeah. And obviously, I. Cast. Yes, I mean, I. I especially coming up, I I got more hyped for it after seeing Beauty and the Beast. Not because I love Beauty and the Beast, but because I love Josh Gad yeah. in Beauty and Beauty and the Beast. Sure. Right, yeah. So I was like, oh, well, and he directed yeah. Cinderella, which is like part of that whole thing they're doing. Exactly. Well, it's just um, a magical car. She was Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Judy Dench. Did you? Have yeah. you, you know, this is funny, but the song they play at the end of the credits. You know, the um, uh, it's beautiful. It's this haunting mm. melody. Mm-hmm. That's sung by Michelle. Oh my god. I didn't even know that. It's it it and you're like Michelle Pfeiffer can Yeah, and she's been redacted for spoilers. Okay, um you know you got like Penelope Cruz, who I forgot was in the movie to be honest. Yeah, she's and then you got She's um, very miscast in my opinion. Willem Dafoe was in the film. Oh Penelope Cruz, yeah. Uh, no, they got so many great actors. You got my doll, Daisy Ridley. Aww. Aww. <laughs> There's a documentary that she narrates that came out right after Star Wars called The Eagle Hunter, so you yeah. should check out. Okay, cool. I think I will. Cool. Oh, cool. But like Oh yeah, and like you said, you got like Kenneth Barn himself, and yeah, like I, I, but no, I, I wasn't expecting like anything incredible, but I was expecting something quite beautiful in the sense of like it's going to look pretty and it's yeah. going to be yeah. it's going to be something nice. Well, Ken Branagh like, does scale it's with his direction, atmosphere, all that stuff. Like, I, mean, I love the clothes as well. Like the Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh does like pomp and excess. That's his directing mm-hmm. mode. Like he did Cinderella, he did Thor, he did a three hour Hamlet movie. It's like, which premiered at Christmas and made a shit ton of money. So people yeah. went at Christmas to see, Shakespeare. To see a three hour Shakespeare movie. It's like cocaine for the eyes, his films in a way. Yeah. So even films like, he did Jack Reacher, Jack, yeah. Jack, no, Jack Shadow Ryan, Jack Ryan. Shadow, Shadow. And that's really nicely directed. Mm-hmm. There's one scene where you've got um, Chris Pine's Jack Ryan running after, no, he's driving after a car, and he's, and you've got Kenneth Branagh playing Russian, you know, threatening to put a light bulb in someone's mouth, and it's <laughs> brilliant. Isn't that the one that has Werner Herzog as the villain? No. No, no that's, that's Jack Reacher. Yeah. Then. Well, yeah. I will say, though, for the There's story. so many people called Jack. Well, I will say for <laughs> the very generic name. Is... For the first time, well, actually, it's not even that long ago. But for the first time in like two years, I actually didn't completely hate Johnny Depp and something. Yeah, you're supposed, you're, you're supposed to hate his character, and he plays and him kind do, of smug. You do hate, him. but you, you don't hate him because he's Johnny Depp being a like You know what? Yeah, actually, something that I because I I've seen it twice. If that's right. how much I liked it, because okay. I was just like I watched the first episode that was really like beautiful, and then I remember I had a bit of a bad day. So it's kind of like, so I literally went on my phone and I found what was the, you know, the first thing that would be on that I could mm-hmm. get to and it just happened to be Murder on the Orient Express and I was right. like, brilliant. And I went to go see Murder on the Orient Express again and you pick up so many subtle yeah. things, um, which is like, there's a scene where 
I think we can say Johnny about Johnny Depp's character. Well, we? it's, it's implied. The story is very famous. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to give away Don't give the away, ending. I won't give away the ending. But, like, they did a poll on Twitter, like, how many people know the ending? And I just know it through cultural osmosis. Yeah. And, it, and it came to 50-50. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I was one of those that didn't myself. I, did, I, I didn't, though. So, sure. I, I knew, I've known people who didn't. I mean, I knew, I knew the ending going in. I went to see with my mum who didn't. Okay. So that was interesting. Yeah. No, so, I, so, obviously, there's a bit where you find out that um, Johnny Depp's character actually uh, abducted a child. Yes. And, and uh, you know, in his previous line of work, or was it criminal or something? Yeah, like yeah. That. And, you know, killed her. And it's and it's heartbreaking because all the scenes that show that part, you know, in the past, those those sequences, mm-hmm. are shot. Well, they're not shot, I imagine, but they were, the they were shown in black and white. Yeah, I found that really effective. It was haunting. Played with a beautiful Music. piano melody. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's incredible. And was that sung by Michelle Pfeiffer? That was not sung by <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. But I... The thing is, with that film, and actually, I'm not going to say what the ending is, but I was watching it just on a... The way... Because obviously, it's no surprise that, obviously, when Pyro has, you know, figured things out, and he's like, he gets everyone together, mm-hmm. and and it looks like the the Last Supper. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know... That's like a, I noticed, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's so beautiful. And also, there's that line towards the end where he goes... Um, you can commit, you can say your lies and commit your crimes, and you think nobody will know. You, but two people will. Just two people. Your God, and her Pyro. <laughs> and he was like, not egotistical at all. No, but it's it, it's so bloody brilliant, <laughs> so bloody badass. It's you know what? It's badass about him going like, I will beat you up. Yeah, it's, I do it's not smoke. kill the lions. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, and, and also. Finest moustache in England yeah. Yeah, or that, anywhere. That's the, almost a direct yeah. quote from the book. Yeah. That it was just the finest moustaches in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really is. Like, I know. I mean, what... I know it's not real. Like, I'm sure that's like fake. He, he, he did try to grow it. it for me. Really yeah, he did try to grow it, just couldn't. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone could grow it like that. Not mm. since 1920s. <laughs> yeah, and like, um, I know Poirot from uh, David Suchet yeah, in television. Okay. I've never Poirot. seen any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, whose moustache is like a pencil moustache. Yeah. It's really slim. He's just like he's like the like the classical sort of like Italian gangster type. Yeah, moustache. yeah. And then the trailer drops for Murder <laughs> on the Orient Express, and there's Crazy there's ass. a there's a money shot in it where Ken Brannan turns around, and you see his moustache, and it's like you are wearing a sea slug on your face. <laughs> it's <laughs> so cool. That's like Toby. I want the moustache. Like, <laughs> like Toby Jones yeah. and Alfred Molina played that character in the past, which is such strange casting choices to me. I think those are good casting but choices. Though. Also, this is something about the news. There is going to be a sequel. There is the, going to be a Death it, on the Nile adaptation. And yeah. it, obviously, it's teased at the beginning. So it goes, "There's been a death. There's been a death." And he's like, "Where?" He's like, "Right on the bloody Nile." And you're like, yeah. "Obviously, that's an, that's that's a I, that's a reference." So I didn't, I didn't. Some people are like, "Oh, there's definitely going to be a sequel." And I'm like. No, that's a reference. Yeah. If the movie makes money, it can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's to leave it open for it. Yeah, but it's still a satisfying ending if it if it didn't. And it, the sure. thing is, it's I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, because you really liked Murder. The thing, yeah, the thing, the thing, so the thing is, like, I knew the title Murder on the Orange Express, but like nothing else. Yeah. So I'm just like excited to see this character some more. That's yeah. all. That, that's sure. the only context. I, I, I want Kenneth Branagh to both return, both as director and actor. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. I, I mean, I what the report says is it's very, very, very likely he's going to come back as the actor. That's almost pretty much confirmed. He, it's it's a maybe he'll direct, but it's looking good. Okay. But um, it's, it's more likely he comes to act and like just act. That's also you know. Sure. I mean, I had problems with 
Um, murder. Mm. I really liked it, but I had many, many problems. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that, I think. Mm. Like, I, I guess my main one was that the point, the thesis of the film, I guess, is that um, it's about how horrible violence and murder mm. is. How- and how and how that ripples. Yeah. Yeah. Spreads. And they're doing this whole like speech about the darkness of inside humanity of and the darkness of violence. Mm-hmm. And in, inside this film, that is essentially a trifle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the the the, the 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 real point of the film is: look at these amazing costumes. Look, we've got celebrities look doing these who are acting really well and doing these like in, interesting characters. The problem with that is they don't have much character development most of them. Yes, each one of them has so little screen time because there's so many of sure, them. But, like the, but that just ones. means the pacing is so brisk, and I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's like I I when I watched the second time, I was like sometimes when I watch the second film, the second time in the cinema, I'm always kind of like, oh, come on, just get to the good bit. With this, it was... Sure. It was just kept going. I see it working better on a second viewing. It yeah. Was, and I, it was good. Yeah, and it, it was weird in a film like that that, mm. that tries to have this point that's really dark and meaningful, mm. but also kind of played out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but another problem I had with it was... Um, God, what was it? I, did, <laughs> I didn't like the word action myself. I, liked, oh, I loved the I liked, yeah. I liked the way it was written, but like what they chose to do, I wasn't the biggest fan of. But then I, that, I, I acknowledge that's a book. That's the, not that the film. bit though when like he is like going where he's got everyone lined up at the table, mm-hmm. and he's basically going like, you know, like he's going like, oh, you said this and you said this and he's all that doing the thing. Yeah, because just kind of there like, this is, I actually the one bit where you see the pain mm-hmm. in one character's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, certain things happen and you're just like, this is what happens when something bad happens to you and you can't let go. Yeah, sure. You know, it, you you become a shadow. You become a shadow of yourself. Yeah. And it's it's one of... And the idea in one of the most beautiful lines is which basically just says, like... Actually, it's my favourite. Because obviously, the, the whole of the movie... Yeah. Poe is like, I can't live with imbalance. Yeah, exactly. There has to be this resolution and there has to be this part which mm. kind of goes, that is the ending. He's got some strange OCD that way. And he's like, it's tell- constantly going to be like, oh, could you please straighten your yeah. dike? Can you, you know, measure these eggs? You know, it's like, you yeah. know, it's got to be perfect. And, and he says like, oh, I excel at the fact, my unique gift is the fact that I can, well, I, 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 the, the imbalance is I see the world how it should be. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's what he says. Line was, yeah. And it's, and then you see that in the film and you're like, yeah, so really the film, yeah. this, one of the major stories of the film is actually about him being able to live with yeah. not having that. Yeah, sure, yeah, I can yeah, see that. Go Maybe that's going to get played up in Death on the Nile, who knows? I, mean, I, I just love that that metaphor is open to him like standing a ship and not wiping his like shoe but putting his other shoe in the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. That was equal. I love that moment. I was like, I mean, okay, I was like, okay that, that tells me a lot about this there are, there, are, there are, I don't know. I, the film is f- frankly like Frequently like, ridiculous, mm. like it. Yeah, it's totally. It's it totally gets all over the place. Yeah, but in a good way. It's, it gets caught up in its plot twist to the extent that they're so outrageous. So I'm like, again, that's not right. a novel. Yeah, but you're just you're just like, oh, yeah, but that doesn't movie. mean that that's not a problem that the film also mm. has. Yeah, yeah different I mean, adaptations could do that differently. Yeah, like that's why you adapt a book, I guess, instead of copying. Yeah, I could just re-release the book, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh I, I had another point that I've now also forgotten because I'm an idiot. I mean, to be fair, though, there was one of my favourite lines of dialogue in that film mm-hmm. where he's literally like, he's got one of the characters and he's like, it's on here, it's on in there. 
what is the word? The English word for that? The chocolate. It's like fudge. It's like yes, it's all human fudge. <laughs> and you're like, dude. I mean, chill. yeah. Ken Ken Brenner's great in it. He clearly gave himself the part as like an ego trip, but he does it really, really well. <laughs> I don't think he's that egotistical, Kenny. No, but well, like that specific, well, who in Hollywood that, is no, that specific move, I guess. Yeah. To play a character who everyone calls a complete cheese. <laughs> like, while you're directing the movie, it's like okay. Yeah. I mean, I hear he's like he's he actually recently won uh, the Cubby Broccoli Awards, yeah, which actually. was presented to him by yeah. Nolan. Is that is that the award for who can overact the best? No, it's the award <laughs> for who can eat the most donuts on set. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, that's a bit of a dig at Cubby, but um, oh. I, sh- I shouldn't make that joke about Cubby. Cubby, Cubby was brilliant, but oh. uh, but no, it's so. No, the award is for um, it's just like overall excellence. cinematic achievement, yeah, it's excellence in directing. Yeah. It's it's really sure. it's a really beautiful award actually. They're not like air; they 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 they're like online sure. award things, and it's and that and I saw his speech, and that really said something about Kenneth for me. What what did, what was the speech? But no, it was very much the sto- it's it's a really beautiful speech. I really would recommend listening to it. Okay, cool. I mean, like I really enjoyed it. I think the mm-hmm. acting's great. The acting like, is incredible. And everyone apparently joined on because of Judy Dench. She was the person that sort of was the linchpin of it all. Um, yeah, and no, I really enjoyed it. I thought the acting was great and I thought the costumes were great. And CGI was kind of shit, but whatever. I mean, I think that like you should have the... A film like that would have the budget for better CGI than what mm-hmm. they have. Um, Actually, I don't think it had too much money. Well, they have all of these stars. I mean, it wouldn't yeah, be hard to get funding. No, but it wouldn't be hard to get funding with all of these stars attached. It's like it's instant money, you know? Oh, yeah. So I don't think it would be too much to ask for a bit more money to make the train more convincing. Or well, the train's practical most of the time. It doesn't look like it. It looks like really badly rendered CGI a lot. I mean, of the like time. In, in like towards the end, then yeah, it looks terrible. But in the beginning, it looks fantastic. Well, like especially when it's like crashed. I think most of that was practical. I think I didn't think... look practical to me. Well, then it's just badly filmed. Okay. Okay. Maybe this is too much digitalization going Maybe. on. Maybe like, like, I know like a lot of the snow is fake. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe they quite they haven't done the David Fincher thing. Where yeah. They have to do it well. Like, um, where they actually do it well. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he has these great vistas, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. That's it, I think my favorite shots were always the ones that were uh, on the interior of the train. Yeah. You no, know, they were never the exterior shots. It was always the interior. Kind of reminded me of the Hateful Eight in that way. It's like it's this yeah. film that's filmed on like seventy millimeter and. Sixty, but it's played. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like. No, thirty, but. 30, but, no, 35 but it's plain and You know what I mean? Like, it's portrayed in this really luxurious format, yeah. and um, at the end of the day, it, it's in a train, but they still find a way to make that really work. Mm. See, I thought it was shot on an Alexa at first. Cause no, I did you? Because I couldn't think about how they would like, film that without using digital. Okay, cool. yeah. But now I know, but now it's just the fact that actually it's because, you know, fucking, you know, Kenneth Brunners knows how to Film. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there just has such a distinct look to it, I guess, and it's colouring. And what I saw another critic mention on a YouTube review, which I really agreed with, was the a critic, uh, I think it's John Campier. He oh. works with the confined space very well. The entire yeah. film takes place on the train, and you really feel how closed yeah. in it is. That's why I thought that, it was shot digitally. Yeah, mm. but he uses that to his advantage when he's filming through glass and stuff, and, yeah. you know, and it gets all these interesting angles that it feels like he could theoretically get them. But you still get how closed in the thing is. I, as a I, whole. I don't know if he shot this movie, but there's a cinematographer called Anthony Dodd-Bantle who does that really well. Mm. Mm. But that's one thing that stood out for me. It's like for he all did my... the, the train days and 
So. Yeah, yeah, he he's, he worked. I don't think he did 28 Days Later, but he worked with Danny Boyle a lot. Mm-hmm. No, he did do 28 Days Later. Oh, like, they worked the script together, which was, right? which was completely turned around the idea that they were going to use these small little handy cams, which was the first ever version of digital cameras. Yeah, sure. And because he, Anthony Dog Mantle, he's been one of the pioneers of that technology and how it can be used. In fact, mm-hmm. he was the first cinematographer to ever win Best Cinematography at the Oscars by using a digital camera on the film Slumdog Millionaire. That's so, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. He was, Fact of the day. He's also worked with Lars von Trier a lot, like he did Antichrist. Oh. Which is set entirely in a cabin. And yeah. he finds a ways to make that really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've not watched that movie. I know its reputation. I, uh, I think that it's that essentially TV? Lars von Trier trying to provoke the audience, both... both. There's a video about that. Like, exactly why... Uh, not as still better, why Lars von Trier is like that and mm. how he tries to use it to the to further the film it doesn't work when he no, does no it but... doesn't that's exactly what the video says yeah but no, it's, it's interesting yeah but it's like both philosophically and in terms of having so much like trying to make the audience uncomfortable with just the content of what they're seeing mm-hmm. and the, the film has a really like pernicious anti-feminist message that I really don't like I mean, and then I'm... at the end it has like a coda at the end to try and correct that and it just doesn't work well, was that too late by that point yeah yeah. point in which we do celebrate this festive season the only yeah. way we know how yes movies favorite christmas movies die hard is up there i'm a weird one i i i all of my favorite christmas movies are the alt christmas movies yeah. because i'm a bit of a hipster you know and it's also because i'm not i do like a bit of schmaltz i'm not big on the schmaltz you don't like christmas with the cranks no <laughs> um it's like if i was to think of like the christmas movies i really hold um mm-hmm. important to me mm-hmm. I would be thinking of stuff like uh, Gremlins. Yes. Yeah. I would be thinking of Krampus, which only came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But that is a f- fantastic movie. And the guy who did it is doing the Godzilla vs. King Kong. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be such a, like, like you said, hipster about it. I don't want to be such a, oh my god, this guy's a film student, isn't he, about it. But like the 30 minutes long 1960s Boris Karloff Grinch. <laughs> oh yeah. It's really yeah. well done. Carol's great, by the way, and that's set at Christmas. Carol, I wouldn't call Carol a Christmas movie. It's set at Christmas. It is set at Christmas, but like Die Hard at least... Die Hard, people think it's a Christmas movie, it's set at Christmas. Die Hard has themes of a Christmas movie. Rooney Mora wears a Santa hat. Oh, God. I've seen (laughs) Carol. Carol is not a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Carol isn't. Well, where, where's the cut-off point? The cut-off point is Die Hard is about a family coming together. He's going to see his, his ex-wife. So Carol is a bit also like that. It's about people who love each other, finding each other and coming together. No. No. What are your favourite Christmas movies, Liam? Well, it'd be no surprise to anyone who knows me. I fucking love Die Hard. Die Hard is great. <laughs> I mean, like... I mean, Free me I mean, my podcast! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, like... Okay, what's the, okay, I'm basic for those of you idiots or you <laughs> keep in mind one of our co-hosts who isn't present today has this opinion. And that's not for those people, those individuals, those, <laughs> those certain people that are wrong 
Um, <laughs> yeah, not naming names. Not naming names. Just wrong. Just wrong. That claim Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. You really do not understand, in my opinion, the beauty of Christmas. Or the beauty of Die Hard. Or the beauty of Die Hard. Or the beauty of the shooting terrorists. Just will stop. You need to go home and rethink your life. <laughs> the, the thing is about Die Hard is, yes, you've got the guns, you've got the explosions. You've got the terrorists. You've got the terrorists, you've got all these... All these mm-hmm. I don't want to say wonderful things, because obviously the, terrorists the blood, aren't wonderful. The blood, the gore. You've got all of that stuff that's great to watch. But really what it is, it is about... A man trying to save his wife, mm-hmm. and I mean, also, can we say the ending? Because it's, like, it's got you know, like this is you know, it's such a famous it's film. Like Twenty years old. It's based on a book. Well, we did we did censor Star Wars when we did it. Did you? Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. That's weird. Well, it's, I just there there will be people who haven't who I don't know. Like there isn't. I'm gonna spoil it. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm I'm editing the podcast, but you can go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 because this is a really good point. Okay, okay, whatever, sure. We're two minutes. <laughs> At the end of Die Hard, where John McCain has saved the day and, you know, stopped evil Adam Wickman, a.k.a. Hans Severus Snape. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. It ain't Christmas till Hans Gruber's fallen off the Dr. Tommy Floss. Um, they, obviously him and his wife walk out, and instead of it snowing, you've got the paper... Mm-hmm. Falling. I wouldn't office. consider that. Fun fact though, Die Hard 3 was originally written with John McClane not winning. Oh, now you know. Yeah. Now you know. Um, that would have made the movie hell of a lot more interesting. Die Hard 3 is the best. Unpopular opinion, okay. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2 is Die Hard 2 is weak. I have not quite seen like Die Hard 2. No, 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 what am I saying? Die Hard 1. Die Hard 1. Die Hard 2 is on the planes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that would not have been made. Die Hard 2. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> no, Die Hard 3 with Samuel L. Jackson. That's my shit. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, no. Also, can I just say, again, uh, this is a very British response. Mm-hmm. Love Actually. Love Actually is yeah. right. Love yeah, that film I still haven't seen. You still haven't seen Love Actually? I'm, I'm a, I am a Brit who hasn't seen Love Actually, but I've seen the shocking amount of Adam Sandler movies. Love Actually, I think, is it's so like beautiful, and it's like, there's that one scene, that's, that's the introductory scene, actually, okay. where you've got um, Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy? Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy. Uh, where, he go, where he's like, I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I had the end music for the podcast yeah. now. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you've got all this great like stuff, and he's just like, oh, fuck shit, arson, hard, when he's got the lyrics of the song. It's like, I've done it again, da, da, da. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's just, I know the old version so many. He's like, yeah, that's why we're doing the new version. <laughs> and, he's, and it's just so funny. And you're just, and you just, it's so good. And then also you've got a scene with Ant and Deck. And, <laughs> they, and they're young. Mm. It's so good. It's, it's like 2003 good. Anton Deck. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Uh, Richard, Richard Curtis is a great. Yeah. Filmmaker. Yeah. I, I, the only Richard Curtis film I've seen is The Boat That Rocked. What about? about I time? love The Boat That Rocked yeah. though. I, oh, you need to watch About Time. About Time. About Time is because I did like I did like The Boat Wait. That Rocked. All his films kind of same me though. Have, have you seen any of Blackadder? Yes. He wrote all of the episodes of that. Well, there you go. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. But like I've seen The Boat That Rocked and I did like it. It has such a distinct tone. Mm. Yeah, is that like consistent with all this other stuff then? Totally speaking, kind of. Because like it feels... he likes a good rom com, you know. Yeah, yeah. First thing, his rom coms aren't the traditional rom coms. There's something unique about them that sets them apart. Yeah, it's like about time starts off as a kind of a rom com, 
but then becomes a story it about becomes a sci-fi happy. movie and all of a sudden it's more yeah. about sex than it is really the relationships it's the about end. music yeah. as well you know yeah so it's like whatever I mean I haven't seen Love Actually everyone keeps telling me to see it for what um, in the funeral do what, what you know what you need to watch Love Actually at Christmas like it's just a mm. fantastic film to watch yeah. you watch it surrounded by the people you love I came well. to the, well, there, was, there was a screening the other week I would have I would have kind of sat down and watched it I came in like 10 minutes late I was like eh Oh yeah, I remember seeing you, but yeah. then I didn't see you at all. I've, the rest of the I've got, I had work to do, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was so good. I love, but no, like, also, I love. There's so much, so just Muppets Christmas Carol. Muppet, that is a good one. Mm. You know what? It it's it sounds so stupid to say, but if you're being objective, it is one of the better adaptations of that story. Mm. So you've got oh, yeah. Michael Caine is up and he just goes, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's great casting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that doesn't scream comedy. That screams okay, okay. Yeah. Sure. I think he's not actually funny in the film but it's the comedy happening yeah. around him yeah. which obviously works for Scrooge he's it's like a straight man he's interacting with puppets that's why it's funny yeah you know. but it's like it's charming mm. the Muppets are the charming Muppets Christmas Carol is another one that's a great film to see in the cinemas I've seen it in the cinemas twice it's awesome with the scene taken out or in uh, in one of them the scene was in oh okay that's yeah. not bad though so that, it's, it's, it plays it plays there really really well um, yeah off topic of Christmas I didn't like Muppets Treasure Island but Muppets Christmas Carol was really really strong I'm trying to think of other stuff. Like, you have the modern ones, like, like Arthur oh, Christmas and stuff, but I just feel kind of forced. Yeah, I, did, I don't think I've seen a good Christmas movie in I, a few years. I like did see... Well, like Krampus is quite new, and that's a great Christmas movie, but you haven't seen it, have you? Yeah. I did see the original uh, original uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the black and white one. Oh. Um, and I found it pretty strong myself. Mm. It's a bit cheesy here and there. I haven't actually seen the the, the really famous version of Miracle on 34th Street. It was like Mara Wilson. Well, yeah. so I feel like a lot of... Um, Whenever a Christmas movie comes out now, it feels like they're making it to be a Christmas movie and not to be a movie. It's, it's made that money. Oh, yeah. I only just realised. Daddy's Home 2 and A Bad Mum's Christmas are Christmas movies. They're, oh my god. Well, it literally said <laughs> Bad Mum's Christmas. And they're both painful. Help me, please. But that's the thing, though, is like, I don't. I really just don't like. You see, the thing is, I actually think that the problem is with most Christmas movies is that. They obviously have to make them in advance, you know, so you're yeah. filming them in, like, the middle of summer. Yeah, like July. Yeah, and then it must be really hard for the actors just to get into that festive spirit, like, sure. just to have that outlook when you're literally, you know, shooting indoors. Yeah, and it's just hot outside. It's hot outside, you know, you you don't have, like, all the decorations. And the song that. doesn't quite work as well, does it, when it's like, baby, it's hard outside. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I've got a bunch of honorable mentions in that kind of sense. I just remembered, like, every Shane Black film is a Christmas movie. Like Iron yeah, Man Three, nice guy, a Christmas kiss movie. his fang nice. bang. Yeah, and and uh, his Predator film next year will be a Christmas movie. Like really? every every film he does takes place in Christmas. I don't know why. And nice Guys isn't a Christmas, isn't is it? it? I don't think it's so. Um, it might. No, be. it's not a Christmas. No, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, most of the stuff is. Nice Guys is fantastic though. It is fantastic. I'm watching it again for like the second time. I mean, if it wants to be a Christmas movie, it can be a Christmas movie. Mm. I, don't, I, don't know. I mean, I thought Iron Man Three being a Christmas movie was. Weird. But so, but if Carol wants to be a Christmas movie, it's it can't be. A Christmas no, movie. I never said Carol was. I haven't it seen it. I said it's not a As someone who saw it two years ago and not since, I'm gonna say it can't. That's the thing, though. It's like you know, where's the line? Does it? Does it? It being set at Christmas. I think a film. Movie? I think does a it film. have to have the themes of Christmas. Does I, it I, I think that like, yeah, if you want like, to have Die Hard, you have to have Carol. I think if a film is set in December and you see snow, well, that okay, won't make what it is the Christmas story film? of Carol? Um, I know it's, it's a lesbian love story. That's basically the story of Carol. But with, is also but with a really, really like, is it all at Christmas? Pretty much. With a really demented it, sociopath. It's not like one day, but it's all in the Christmas well, no, season. They, 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 okay. they yeah, there's fucking Christmas 
Maybe if it's about two people falling in love well, and finding spirit of Christmas at Christmas, it's a fucking Christmas movie. I find yeah. the focus a bit off that way. Like, yeah, they go into the department shops and everyone's Christmas shopping and all that kind of stuff. And Rooney Mara is wearing a Christmas hat yeah, when Kate Blanchett yeah. sees her for the first I time. I just think Kate Blanchett's sociopathic performance over overstates the themes of what I would give a Christmas movie. Whereas I would say Die Hard thematically can be considered a Christmas movie. I wouldn't movie. say that she's like sociopathic. It's just like the characters are grey. All of the characters are grey. I watched the film and was like, what are your motives? You're fucking insane. When I saw it. Again, two years ago. Teenage boy. I don't know what she was going on. That's fair. I know. I love Carol. We can get into this some different Carol is time. fantastic though. Yeah. I saw it. I was like, this is one of the best films. I really want to see some other Todd Haynes movies. Mm-hmm. Like, um... His first film we made, Poison. Um, one critic said about it, I, I felt like I wanted to bathe in Clorox afterwards, which is like... That's sold. Mm, to, which to me is like, how... Ha, ha, how this is, this that, is a how director can, for me if he makes people feel this have, uncomfortable. Yeah, how can a film have that effect on you? Sure. Yeah, but it's like, you know me. I love, I love a good fucked up movie. Mm-hmm. And he, he made this movie with Julianne Moore okay, called okay. Safe, which is about someone becoming allergic to everything. Yeah. That sounds really cool. To everything? Yeah. Oxygen? So, like, the, one of the key posters is of Julianne Moore, like, completely wrapped up and covered outside of the saw, world. I think I saw a Simon Pegg movie about that same kind of premise, but it was, like, anxiety. Sure. Uh, I'll look this up. Do you mean absolutely anything, where he gets, if he says anything, it will happen? Yeah, that's a, that's a weird movie. Do you like <laughs> that movie? I haven't seen it. You, I think you'd like, you'd like that movie. It's pretty artsy. It's got, like, 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty artsy, yeah, because mainstream audience, but, like, whatever. <laughs> Um, Isn't that the one where he says like I want a really massive and then he just like No, no, out. no, no, you're thinking of the Monty Python one. Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. No, no, I saw that there, that's not good. And <laughs> uh, uh, the absolute fear of everything. That's cool. Oh. Um, okay. See there's a there's a big title change there. Yeah, there absolutely is. anything to The absolute fear of everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. They're not even the same words for everything. <laughs> um, they're even beginning to say that. Fantastic fear of everything. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh. Like this movie here, like, like it, it is your kind that of That poster film. looks screwy. No, it is your kind of movie. Um, it's pretty fucked up. Oh, um, yay! I'm yeah. good with that. Fantastic fear. I, I, you put me on a tangent now. But, like, the way it's shot, I think you'd be really into, you know. Um, I do I do like that shot. And it's about anxiety at its biggest degree. Is it a Christmas movie? No, it's like Carol. No. <laughs> <laughs> then what the hell is it doing on this segment, Logan? We were talking about safe. We were safe. Julianne Moore. I want to see this poster. This is the after pod kind of like chatter at this point. So like that one. What the fuck? Okay. I feel it in my fingers. Thank you everyone for joining us at this wonderful time of the year and we all wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and we will be back with another entry very soon. I'm afraid you did it again, Bill. It's just I know the old version so well, you know. Well, we all do. Apocalypse Now starred Liam Rear, Logan Bailey and James Elway. It was produced and edited by James Elway.